This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the channel and welcome back to another edition of the Spurs Chat Podcast. This is another transfer special involving Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Of course, pre-season. Those pre-season games start next week against West Ham United in Perth, Australia. Not far away now. I've got a very, very special guest, Josh Hughes, uh, broadcast journalist and sports social media executive at Mouse Sport. Josh, thanks so much for joining me again. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing really well, um, despite the constant onslaught of Harry Kane speculation. Um, I'm really excited about this tour. I cannot wait. I know you're off to Australia. Um, you've got a big 24 hours of travel or so. Um, but, you know, I think we're going to see a really, really interesting few weeks uh, at the football club, both ingoings and outgoings, as well as what we see on the pitch. Are the players going to buy into Ange Postacoglu's style of play? Are we going to start to see those little changes? And uh, yeah, I think with the uh, Barcelona friendly as well now announced, um, it, it, there's just a, a good feeling around the club, all in all, irrespective of, uh, of Harry Kane. Josh, of course, you are a journalist, a Spurs fan as well. You mentioned there, everyone's excited. How are you feeling? as a Spurs fan right now? And, and how is it covering Tottenham in your job? Do you know what? It's it's really interesting because, you know, as you probably expect, as, as you will have experienced throughout all of your life as well, there aren't that many Tottenham fans about when you go into a workplace. It's all Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United. You know, there's a lot of West Ham in uh, the male sport office as well. So, as you can expect, any little negative thing around Spurs or any opportunity to have a dig, people take it with uh, both hands. And as a Spurs fan, you kind of got to sit there and go, yep, and kind of take it. Um, but you know what? You know, 
I'm kind of blanking most of it because I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling uh, excited that we've turned a page from the negative football of of Conte and Mourinho and Nuno Espirito Santo. And we're entering what I hope is a new era. And I think the early transfer business so far um, very much reflects that change. And, you know, hearing Ange in his press conference and in yeah. the social media uh, clips that the club have, have put out as well. I mean, he, he just seems like he understands the club. He wants to be there. So, you know, both covering it and as a Spurs fan, I'm just really excited because I'm just waiting for the next bit of positive news, the next transfer, the next, you know, piece in the jigsaw of the, the Postacoglu puzzle um, to take place. And, and, you know, with this tour in Australia, I, I think we'll probably have some good news before those players get on the plane as well. So really excited. George, what do you make of the appointment of Postacoglu? Because of course, when you look back, Maurizio Pochettino, Jose Mourinho. I know Nuno Espirito Santo had a short time at the football club, but then Spurs appointed yet another win now, serial winning manager in Antonio Conte. What do you think is going to be different uh, for the football club this time around when we can't or we haven't won any trophies um, under Pochettino, under Mourinho, under Conte? What's going to be different this time? Well, I think, you know, You've obviously listed off those managers and I think it is fair to comment that we were very, very, very unlucky to not come away with a trophy in that period, especially under Pochettino. I mean, twice so close to the Premier League, uh, Champions League final as well, uh, you know, League Cup final, FA Cup semi-finals, you know. So, but the key difference, I think, is is clear it's a bit of realism about the place. And I think that this is very much a similar kind of appointment to Pochettino in that, you know, he's gained plaudits at his last job, Celtic, a club that I would say is actually much bigger in stature than Southampton. Um, but obviously people dismiss that because they play in yeah. the Scottish League rather than in the Premier League um, or Championship now for Southampton. But it's that kind of appointment where it's a manager that has really earned their stripes in their career. They've not had the most conventional route to the top. Um, but it's clear when you hear the quotes of anyone that has worked under Postacoglu or knows Postacoglu, they talk about him as a serious football man and a winner, someone that transforms dressing rooms, someone that you know, really, really changes uh, the football club that he inherits for the better. And I think at all of the clubs he's been at and the Australian national team, um, it's it's clear to see that legacy has kind of has lasted. Um, with, with Conte, with Mourinho, I think, you know, ultimately these are win-now managers who have won in a certain way. I thought Mourinho was going to work out because I mm. thought, Tottenham job was actually probably more similar to, to the job he had at Porto, where it was a talented group of players that he had to kind of build up a little bit from the ground up, as opposed to Conte, who, you know, in fairness, he, you know, a great manager, a great coach that has won everywhere he's been, but he's had 100 million, 200 million, you know, at some of the biggest clubs in the world. That was never going to be the case with Daniel Levy as chairman. So I think what we've got now is 
hopefully the end to the one step forward, two steps back that we've been doing for the last sort of 10 years or so, you know, and I think the business in the window reflects that. I mean, Ange is speaking very highly of the signings that are being made. It's clear that Ange Postacoglu is, you know, signing off on each player. He's making the final call. And I think that what we were seeing under Mourinho and under Conte was perhaps a bit of a conflict of, is this a club signing? Is this the manager signing? I mean, how many times did we say under Conte, how many of these players did he actually want? Um, and his comments about Jed Spence and, and you know, some of the other players seem to indicate that. And I think that what we're seeing now is everyone singing off the same hymn sheet. But that's going to take time. That's not going to achieve success overnight. But this is a big project. And as Ange said in the press conference, you know, he's part of the attraction of coming to this football club was the fact that we haven't won a trophy since 2008 uh, bar the Audi Cup, you know, and, um, you know, he wants to prove people wrong. He's been doing that his whole career. Um, I kind of, you know, skipped over Nuno Espirito Santo because I just think that was a mistake of an appointment. Had a very, very volatile time for the football club. You know, lots of changes, churning through managers, real kind of loss of identity there. I think he was actually quite unlucky because I don't think he's a bad manager, just the wrong name at the wrong time for, for our football club. But um, Postacoglu just does feel different. And I know we say this at the start of every season. We say this every time we have a new manager. But I think as a fan irrespective of work as a journalist or uh, and doing the social media stuff, I find I'm being far more analytical, probably because of my work on, on what managers are saying, the body language, how they kind of um, are, are making their points. And, you know, when you just get that gut feeling, that kind of, it just does feel different under Postacoglu. He kind of won me over straight away uh, with, with the way that he was talking. You know, I, I, I've said to you before, and I'll say again, you know, I had a list of about 10 managers when Conte yeah. went and he was number nine on that list. Um, how wrong I was um, to, you know, and I think a lot of fans, probably most fans were like this, um, you know, question the appointment. We've had so many kind of poor appointments, poor signings, lots, you know, not quite fitting at the club. But I think the second that he had the microphone to him, and he was given the chance, you know, what do you think about this football club? What do you want to bring here? Second, he answered that. I think it was it's very clear that this this could be the start of, of a great marriage. Josh, was there anything in that press conference that you were surprised what he said? Um, the the only thing that I would say I was surprised by was I, I probably thought he was going to shut down the Kane questions a little bit more firmly. I was mm. expecting him to show maybe a bit of a prickly side, as I've seen in a few of the Celtic uh, interviews. You know, I think about when uh, Celtic had the cup final and he was asked about his future. Tottenham were in for him at this point. Yeah. He was yeah. asked and he was, you know, quite snappy with that. And actually, he showed a bit of humour and... I would say whilst that was a surprise, it was a positive surprise. Um, and also I've got, I've got to say that anytime he uses mate to answer a question, it, it, I love kind of, it. 
it brings him closer to us as a fan base, I think, instantly. Yeah. And people might think, oh, well, this isn't GCSE English where you're talking about the colour of the curtains reflecting the mood of the story. But genuinely in this case, I think when he says something as, as insignificant as mate, it does bridge that gap between what is someone at the top of their game in a professional setting at the you know summit of of the best league in the world to, you know, John and Sarah down the road, you know, and I really like that. Josh, what would you say to the doubters? Because there, there are still some about. Yeah. I mean, it's natural. We get to kick a ball under Ange Postacoglu in an official sense. Of course, there was that friendly with, with Cambridge behind closed doors, a one all draw. People are already, you know, Raising doubts already. There's a natural scepticism. Are you a Tottenham fan if you're not sceptical? That's what I think. You know, we've had it pretty good compared to the rest of the footballing world. But, you know, in terms of where we are in the sort of upper echelons of, of English football, I think we've definitely had it probably the worst out of a lot of the bigger teams. So, you know, we've had so many... Uh, situations where we've believed in what was going on and we've been let down time and time again, heartbreaking cup finals, injuries at the worst moments, you know, lots of bad luck along the way. Who would have foreseen Leicester doing what they did that year? I mean, um, you know, I think what I would say to the doubters is just give it time. I, I don't think we as a fan base or me as a fan can expect anyone to be 100% behind him in terms of, you know, convinced that he is going to do an amazing job. You can't predict, you know, something that's not happened yet. Uh, But what I would say is just give him time, give him a chance and let the football do the talking. Don't let the noise around the media speculation, ignore that. Let the football, let what you see with your own eyes and what you feel in your heart when you watch that, let that do the talking because how many times under Antonio Conte were we bored to death with the football? You know, the first season was magical, but then the second season where, you know, I, I, I lost count of the amount of times I said, I'd rather stick pins in my eyes than watch this anymore. You know, the yeah. anger, the animosity, all of that. If you're still feeling that after, a you know, eight, nine months under Ange Postacoglu, Okay, fair enough. But, you know, I I don't think that's what we're going to be feeling like at all. You know, I think we're going to be, you know, we're going to be enjoying the football. And that's something he said time and time again. Listen to to Mana Solomon in his interview when he joined the club. You know, he talked about when he spoke with Ange Postacoglu and the way that he wants the team to be set up, the way that he wants to play football. That's his philosophy. His philosophy is, you know, all out attack entertain the fans this is a sport and it's about winning but it's also about entertainment and football is nothing without the fans and he wants to give back to us and that's very evident so give him time and you know let that football do the talking Josh time how much time will he get because Mm -hmm. you know when managers are appointed or head coaches are appointed they have meetings with the chairman and the board what do you think Daniel Levy's expectation is and Postacoglu in his first season, because it's it's okay for 
you know, some of the media and a lot of the fans saying, give him time. Um, but what is the expectation? What will Daniel Levy be, in, be saying to him? We want to finish in X position in the Premier League and we expect to go, you know, as far as the final in the FA Cup or the League Cup. What, what is the expectation? What, what, Tottenham, what is the Tottenham board expecting from him? I would say in, in layman's terms, top four, it's very clear that Daniel Levy has never really deviated from that. Top four is his ambition, has always been his ambition. I feel like even when we were challenging for the league, um, you know, those three seasons where we finished third, second, third, the ambition was still to finish top four. I've not seen anything from Daniel Levy to suggest that he had or has ever had the ambition, genuine ambition, to build a team to win the Premier League. Um, so I think that will be it and go as far as you can, hopefully win a cup. That is what I imagine would be that initial conversation. However, I also don't know what Daniel Levy wants. I think it's so hard to tell because he has gone through managers like smokers go through cigarettes. You know, he's gone through players in the same way. And, you know, I think that only Daniel Levy really knows I think we've seen sort of inconsistencies. I've heard fans say he doesn't care about anything as long as it's top six because you need the money. Of course, now seventh place Europa Conference League puts a little spanner in the works. But, you know, I think that what it should be is let's just have a better season than we had last. You know, let's concede far fewer goals. Let's win far more matches and let's score far more goals. And, you know, we want to qualify for Europe whatever that may be. That's what, in my opinion, it should be. Uh, I, I don't think Daniel Levy would deviate from his ambition of wanting fourth place minimum um, and hopefully a cup along the way. But, you know, as I say, I think you, you, you'll probably feel the same. It, it, it's so hard to read Daniel Levy because of the kind of last five years we've had. It's been so turbulent. We've had so much chopping and changing. You know, I don't want to see Ryan Mason as an interim boss you know ever again and you know it, it's just one of those that now for me this is about steadying the ship this is about ending that churn we don't want to be like Watford who went through three managers a season and about 15 players a season we want to be Tottenham Hotspur we want to be a big club we want to act like a big club and in order to do that you've got to give the manager time and backing. So, yeah, I think I think top four will still probably be the aim in Daniel Levy's mind. But, you know, as far as fans are concerned, I think we just want to have a better season. Josh, various people at the club have told me before that <clears> Daniel <throat> Levy always wants to win every competition that Tottenham Hotspur are in. Now, when you look back, po uh, Pochettino, um, Jose Mourinho, Antonio Conte, they've all put out weakened teams in FA Cup and League Cup competition. And that has surprised me, particularly under um, Jose Mourinho and Antonio Conte, because you would have thought them two would have been the managers really to push on to try and you know get Tottenham over the line to, to finally put that trophy in the cabinet after such a drought. Do you think Postacoglu will take this differently? You know, the, the, the approach to these competitions, FA Cup and League Cup, because I spoke to many Celtic fans and, and, and they've said, yep, he will take these seriously. He will put out the best team possible. Do you think that is going to be the way that we go? I think to an extent, um, but I think it's also worth mentioning that, you know, and this is just my opinion, but the teams that we played, the so-called weakened teams contained, 
you know, many international footballers, you know, players that would get easily start for the team. For example, Sheffield United last year, most of our team would have started for Sheffield United and Sheffield United had a load of injuries themselves. Um, You know, and in theory, your second string side per se should be good enough to beat these teams. But the problem is you need a squad that when your B team is played, they are good enough to be a first team in the league that you're playing in. Look at Manchester City. If Manchester City play a second string side, that side, in my opinion, is probably still capable of at least challenging, if not getting top four, right? Just a second string side. Tottenham have not had that. And I think the biggest problem we had last season was not having a strong enough bench. We look at the bench and we think, who are the game changers here? Injuries as well didn't help. But what we're doing already in the window, the likes of Manor Solomon, bringing hopefully Brian Hill, who I know we'll we'll go on to later, into the fold. You know, if we can play Richarlison as the nine, Manor Solomon and Brian Hill as a front three, that's a good front three to play in a cup competition. But what does fill me with hope is the fact that Postacoglu did not care if he was playing Air United or, you know, Peter or, or whether he was playing Rangers as he so often played in all these cup competitions, um, you know, he would play the strongest side possible. And of course, you can say, well, well, Celtic are the Manchester City of the Scottish League. Their squad is far superior so they can get away with it. Well, of course they can. But that didn't stop him from playing the likes of Jota, Cameron Carter-Vickers, you know, the, the game chasers, Kyogo Furuhashi, Ria Hatate, these players that were difference makers throughout the season in the biggest games. You know, it doesn't matter if you're Real Madrid or you're, or you're um, Air United, you know, he was playing a team that was competitive and good enough to win. So, you know, for me, of course, we've got to take these competitions seriously. I mean, people in the club might have told you that Daniel Levy wants to win every competition that Tottenham are a part of. I think everyone wants to win every competition that we are a part of. So, you know, I'm not going to blame Daniel Levy per se for our failures, because I think there are certain tactical failures and managerial decisions that, you know, those responsible need to take accountability for, especially Conte in the aftermath of, of Sheffield United. I don't think he took nearly enough uh, uh, slack for that. I know, obviously, he this was during the time when he was having his health problems. But, you know, at the same time, Daniel Levy's responsibility as well is to provide the backing to the manager so that if we are playing a second string team, you look at it and you don't think this is a second string team. You think this is a very strong lineup capable of winning this football match. That's where we've got to aspire to be. And if you do that, why can't we go and win an FA Cup again? Why can't we win a, a League Cup? I say, you know, those two, you know, of course, the FA Cup is is the glamorous cup, the one that I think everyone you know, feels in that heart a little bit more, you know, it's that little bit more special. So uh, I'm under no illusions. I think that um, Ange is going to take these incredibly seriously. Josh, as a football club, um, of course, the board have been heavily criticised, especially recently. Um, Do you think that the board will change the way that they've done things in the past and perhaps learn from mistakes? Because I think it's very, very fair to say whatever... Uh, side you have and whatever opinion you have, um, bad decisions have been made. Um, in my opinion, I don't think Pochettino should have been sacked um, You know, shortly after that Champions League final defeat. Um, I don't think that 
Jose Mourinho should have been sacked six days before a cup final. Um, I think there have been a number of poor decisions. Um, have the football club, or do you think the football club have learned from any of these mistakes to change their ways? Sorry to give a politician's answer, but I think time will tell. Genuinely think time will tell. But on what you've said, and I think you make some great points, absolutely. There have been massive mistakes made at the football club. I, I am happy to you know go on the record and say I am not a fan of this ownership not on the basis that I'm not appreciative of the great things that they have done but I look at every other Premier League club where they have gone every other club has had a change in ownership since Tottenham and I've always said kind of in my to myself and in, in my thoughts I've always been if they can genuinely prove that they can change you know then you know I'm not the type of person who's going to ardently, you know, lambast Levy at every opportunity. I, I don't think that's fair. I think we've got to be balanced with this. And I think, you know, in the echo chamber that is Twitter, for example, it's hard to have an opinion without being taken too literally or not seriously enough. Or with you say one thing, it gets aggregated into another. And, yeah. you know, throughout all of this, Levy has made big mistakes Donna Cullen has made big mistakes in terms of the communication side of things at the club. I was having a chat with Henry Winter from the Times um, before, I believe it was the Manchester City game, um, outside the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And he said, look, it's not difficult. Donna Cullen, who's responsible for the communications at the football club, and Daniel Levy, between the pair of them and the rest of the board, it is not difficult to communicate concisely and frequently with your fan base, especially when it is quite clear that there is, you know, animosity and upset amongst the fan base. If there wasn't, you wouldn't be seeing, uh, you know, the likes of Brian Daigle and, and uh, you know, the, the few hundred that gather outside the club shop every home game, which, of course, I, I have no doubts will continue throughout next season, irrespective of how Ange Postacoglu does. But for me, you know, what does that change look like? And for me, it's Daniel Levy stepping away entirely from footballing decisions. I think that he is undoubtedly an incredibly good businessman. He has absolutely transformed our football club top to bottom as a brand um, and in terms of global exposure, in terms of Tottenham being a name on the global scale. I mean, uh, Chris, you've, you've been to South Korea, you're going to Australia, you've been to the States. You know, I, I wanted to kind of throw it back to you. I mean, you, have you, how have you seen the difference, you know, down the years in Spurs in terms of how they've grown and how we're perceived by international fans? I mean, look how many international supporters groups we've got. And Levy deserves credit for that. You know? It's incredible. It's incredible, Josh. I tell you, the, the countries that I've been to, when you see the dedication that they have, you know, some of them, you know, because of the time differences, get up at like three in the morning to go down the pub to watch Tottenham Hotspur on the TV. But the, the support around the world is unbelievable. And uh, it's funny because I wanted to actually bring that up as, as a question for you about uh, pre-seasons changing, because, of course, we're off all over the place um, this summer, Australia, Singapore, Thailand. Uh, we're now off to Barcelona um, as well. And we used to play the likes of Swindon and Colchester 
and Reading and Ipswich and, and, and teams like that. And now we're going all around the world. But it really has put Tottenham Hotspur on the map. Um, but I just, you know, me personally, Josh, I just want to see success. I want to see trophies. And uh, I just feel that, uh, you know, going back to the board and, and what the club um, have done um, in the past, I just feel that we've always been a couple of players short in transfer windows. I know we'll talk about our business uh, so far in a second, but I feel that we should have always just gone and got that extra one or two players. And we've always just been one or two players away, which has been really frustrating for a lot of us. And, and of course, a lot of former managers. Um, and I just think that perhaps we would have put the trophy in the cabinet had we have got those one or two players. Um, but to answer your question... Yeah. And it's always this, it's the second choice player. It's not the first choice target. It's the yeah. missing yeah. out on Paolo Dybala because of image rights rather than just getting the deal done. The guy had a Tottenham shirt with his name and number on the back. He was ready to start training. He met his teammates and that deal yeah. didn't go through. We've had situations like Willian. We've had situations, you know, like um, Luis Suarez. You know, uh, it's it's always been that situation. And, and I think, you know, it's fair to make this commercial point, right? Because we really are a massive club commercially and it's great that we are so internationally renowned. But the one thing that is missing from our football club, you ask anyone whether they support Spurs or not, is on-field success. And ultimately, it's all well and good being this great international business with all these sponsorships and millions of fans around the world. But it means nothing if you don't deliver for the fans and success on the pitch. The game is about glory is what we used to have draped around the old White Hart Lane, you know, and I've seen very little, even with the increase in money spent, the new stadium, the training ground, it's all well and good having this. But what matters is the day-to-day running of the football club to be a success and in order for that to happen, Daniel Levy has got to step away. And to his credit, it does genuinely feel, certainly in terms of the recruitment happening this window, that Daniel Levy is doing that. A budget was set for the manager, for Scott Munn and Gabonini and Paratitu, who we know, obviously, is not officially involved, but is still advising at the club and I think yeah. it's, it's fair to say it's obvious that there's still clearly an influence there. I mean, a lot of the, the team are his people. A lot of the players are his type of players, you know, his contacts, etc. So, um, you know, it does look like we're, we're moving away from that. But all we care about, as you rightly said, is success. It's our turn to win a trophy, in my opinion. How, you know, all the other big clubs have managed to do it. Even when Arsenal had their kind of lull of finishing eighth, they're still winning FA Cups. You know, that's the bare minimum, right? If we want to be one of those clubs. And, you know, I've seen far too little uh, glory in terms of trophies in my lifetime. I know you're a bit older than me, so you've seen probably a a few more. Um, But, you know... Not a lot. No, I can imagine. (laughs) You were through the 90s and and, and that can't have been uh, any picnic either. But, you know, I think it's clear something has to change. And the only way we're going to know if that's changed is how we do on the pitch. And that and that's the that's the only thing. I said before, let the football do the talking with Ange. That's going to be the same with Daniel Levy because we can't find ourselves in the same position in 18 months. We have to spend that bit extra. We have to get that extra player. We cannot leave any stone unturned going into this season. 
because we really are at a sliding doors moment. You either join the big six or you fall away forevermore. And if you do that, the results can be absolutely disastrous. So, um, yeah, I, I really just hope that, that that change does happen. Surely this has got to be the main focus, though, on the recruitment side of things, because we all know as Spurs fans that, and I think it's fair to say, we have spent money. Tongi on Dombele, Giovanni Lo Celso, £100 million on both of them. And they were on loan, both of them, last season. And, it, and, it, and you know, I know we're talking about the players shortly. You know, both of the players could be on their way out the door this summer. So it's not necessarily about spending big. It's about getting the right players in. And this is the best argument someone can make for why our transfer business has been so good this summer. It's because it's not... This is a thing, right? I think generally, and this is, again, something that, you know, drips into the echo chambers of, of, of social media right where if you see a 50 million pound price tag attached to a yeah. player fans yeah, they good. Player, they're yeah. sold on that player they may yeah. have never watched I, I guarantee the majority of fans haven't watched a full 90 minutes of Edmund Tapsoba or if they did they didn't realize because they were watching the AFCON or whatever it was and they weren't watching the, the game to focus specifically on that player or whoever it is but you know I think the point is spot on. It is about buying right, not just buying big. And of course, you can buy right and buy big if you go for the best players in the world. But even the best players in the world can get injured. I mean, Lukaku was one of the best strikers on the planet for Inter Milan when he won the league under Conte. And now he, yeah. you know, he's become a bit of a, a meme, a bit of a joke, you know. And I think... What I want to see is us continue to operate in this way where we're buying players that, you know, not only have ability and the ability to grow as players and develop, but it seems like we're buying leaders and we're buying players that are, you know, their character and their mentality is just as important as what they can do on the pitch. Because, you know, I will never forget the words of Dejan Stankovic talking about Jose Mourinho, the year into won the treble in 2009-10, where he said, uh, we are all, you know, it was along the lines of, we are all prepared to run through the pits of hell, run through the fire for Jose Mourinho. We need players that are prepared to do that for Big Ange. We really do. And, you know, of course, that comes from the manager commanding that respect in the way that they interact on a daily basis. But also, it includes buying the right kind of profiles. And, of course, we've wasted money. We've wasted so much money down the years. Of course, we have, we have consistently been a top six spender for the last 10 years. But how many of those would you genuinely say were top, top signings, you know? And bear in mind, the likes of the Ericsons, the Larises, the Vertongans, these uh, Aldevarald, 15 million here, 10 million there. These players in today's market, you're looking at 40, 50 million plus. For these players because of how inflated the market is and you know Saudi you know uh, just another reason to to make prices go up even further with the crazy wages that they're offering you know so you know for me the biggest problem was Steve Hitchin uh, at this point because we recruited really well under Mitchell he wasn't given the ability to really do his job properly is my understanding of the situation and then Hitchin comes in who frankly you know, it, it was he it was like a, a bull in a china shop. He, I don't think he really knew what he was doing properly. And, 
you know, I think now he's gone and we've got the likes of Paratici who were involved and Gabonini and it was Steinson. Now he's obviously left the club and, you know, there's other people behind the scenes. Uh, the, the the belief was that Paratici, when he came to the club, uh, he kind of scoffed at it a bit like we were a League One club, that it was completely unsatisfactory for the level of football club, for the infrastructure we've got, the academy, the scouting, all of that. And they you know brought in about 15, 20 people. So naturally, the, these things are going to change. Um, I think it's going to be interesting and time will tell exactly how Munn you know, fits into all of this. But, you know, I think you're, you're exactly right. We need to buy right. And the key to that, and I mentioned this this phrase, singing off the same hymn sheet before, is we've got to be doing just that. And Ange has to be the one that is happy. So if we're going to say no to 35 million, 40 million for David Raya, but sign Vicario for um, half the price and... And is blown away by his personality. That is the type of player I want in the football club. I am backing the manager. That is what I want to see. And I, I hope that's what other fans want to see. I just hope that fans as a whole, we just get away from this nonsense price tag kind of spiral of negativity where if they have a big price tag, we've got to sign them. If they don't, they're a waste of time. They're the cheap option. They're not who we want. And it's, you know, we could go down a list of so many players that, you know, we've been linked to that have a lower price tag that fans have said some pretty nasty things about a lot of unfounded stuff as well. Um, yeah. But, you know, if the manager wants them, get them in. Simple as. I'm not sure I agree, though, Josh, from what you said earlier about um, I know Andrew signed these players off, but these signings so far. I think they were kind of in the pipeline already with, with Fabio Prasci, particularly Madison and Vicario. Um, now, you spoke a little bit about um, Daniel Levy being in charge of the signings at the moment. When we had a proper football person in Fabio Pracci at the football club, what I found really, really strange, and I know we'll come on to these players in a minute, um, what I found really strange is we went and got Dan Juma on loan. And it was quite clear that Antonio Conte didn't want him there and didn't want to play him. When you think Fabio and Antonio Conte were like the best of mates. They spoke to each other every single day. Didn't you think that was strange, the way that that panned out? Yeah, I think I think there was a lot of strange things about that. And I think that probably the biggest issue that we've got is that, or we had, was that you're not going to meet a more stubborn manager than Conte. I think even Mourinho mm. is as stubborn as Antonio Conte. I think Mourinho proved in his tenure at Spurs that he wasn't as uh, stubborn as, as Conte. Um, and I think that that's a real problem. Conte is someone that if you, he doesn't agree with it or he doesn't, you know, there are there are players at the football club that probably deserved more of a chance. Brian Hill being a great example, just at the time of which he started playing well, he was shipped off on loan and won the Europa League. Uh, Saar comes into the team, starts doing really well, rather than giving him a chance to actually develop the second that you could get him out of the team, he was back out of the team again. And I think that there were a lot of decisions that Conte got wrong. And that's not to say that Paratici gets everything right, because I don't think anyone in football gets everything right. Pep Guardiola certainly doesn't, otherwise he'd be winning at Tottenham every time. They still haven't scored a goal at our place. So, you know, I think there needs to be a bit of, you know, 
clubs thinking beyond managers. And I think that, of course, there needs to be club signings. Um, and that's a natural part of any football club succession plan where you look at perhaps young players or young talents that you can bring in that are going to outlast the manager that is in the job. But the reason I say what I said before is Ange is the guy that has signed a four-year deal. You don't sign that deal unless you were planning on being there in the long term. And I think yeah. that there's a consensus, whether you support Andrew, you don't, whether you're Levy in, Levy out, or whether you're, as they say, Levy neutral. Um, there's a consensus that we need a project manager, someone that is going to really take these players and us as a fan base on a journey and have the time and backing to do so. You know, of course, you know, as you said before, there are signings that were in the pipeline. However, everyone thought we were signing Raya. That was the signing that seemed to be, for me at least, in the pipeline for a very long time. You know, we would talk about it in January, even before that. Madison, of course, is a player that we've tried to sign under three years. But I think in any team, I think it doesn't matter what profession or what walk of life, in any team, there needs to be two traits that I think any individual needs to possess to be a good leader. So in terms of being a good leader, I think you also need to be a good follower as well. You've got to be able at times to be the sheep and not just the shepherd. And I think having that balance of, you know, accepting other people's opinions and a bit of, you know, making exceptions and, you know, it's like a negotiation, right? You negotiate for a for a transfer for a player and there's got to be a bit of give and take, a bit of sort of on either side. And I think that even if the likes of Madison were lined up before Ange has come to the football club, Ange has accepted that this is a player that is going to benefit him and he's spoken to him personally before the deal was done and he was on board with it. And I think that that's something we're not going to see, you know, in the future, the problem we had with Conte, which is not my player, not going to play and banish him, essentially, which is what happened with Jed Spence. That yeah. cannot happen at our football club. That cannot happen. It's toxicity that is totally unnecessary. And, you know, if you're a manager that has got players that need an arm around the shoulder or players that feel like they've, you know, had it tough at the football club or not been treated with love, you know, Ange seems to be that guy that's going to, you know, give them a fair whack. Ndombele being a great, you know, example of that. He's going to be given a chance. And if he wants to leave, then, you know, so be it. But, you know, that was the problem with Paratici and Conte. I think they probably, even if you, you know, I some of my best mates are Arsenal fans. I don't see eye to eye with them on uh, you know, a lot of stuff when it comes to football, but that doesn't mean you can't be mates. And I think that that's what we had, you know, going on at Spurs with Paratici and Conte is if it's it's Conte's way or the highway. And that was a, a level of toxicity that I think just exacerbated the already sort of fractured problems we had at the club. Josh, what will Vicario, Madison and Solomon bring to Tottenham that we didn't have last season? They will bring leadership traits. They will bring a willingness to win. They will bring creativity. And I know I include Vicario when I say creativity because the way that Ange Postacoglu likes to play, Vicario is going to have an awful lot of the ball. 
He's going to be playing a lot of passes. He's going to be a very, very, he's going to be one of the most important aspects of our attack because it's all going to start from him. And he's going to have to play quick and he's going to have to play under pressure, you know. And hopefully, because I can't, can't be naive and say that they're going to work out 100% because they're not proven to work out 100%. Uh, but hopefully what it's going to do is it's going to give us extra tools to win football matches. I said to you a few days back and you know, I'll say it again. You know, for me, we need to be winning against every single team home and away that's around us in the league. And then yeah. let our league position be determined on the shootout home and away against the teams above us. The likes of Arsenal, Liverpool, Man United, Man City, Chelsea, these teams. And I include Chelsea, although they didn't finish above us. But, you know, those big teams, that's what our season should be defined on. Not losing at home to the likes of Southampton or next season, we'll probably end up losing at home to Luton. You know, it's that type of stuff. That cannot happen. And in those three signings and, of course, the, the permanent signings, of course, of Kulisevsky and Poro, that stability... And the, the ability to uh, make a difference. I hope that those three in particular, Solomon, Madison and, and Vicario, are difference makers. The difference between a, a, a draw and a win. Um, and, and, and I do believe that given that Ange just ticked those off and the way that he's spoken about them, the way that the players have spoken about Ange, it's clear that they're on the same um, the same sort of mindset. And I think that... Going forward, that's exactly what we need. We need players that are going to play for this manager and are going to buy into what he does. And and hopefully, you know, the fruits of that will be will be there for all to see on the pitch next season. Josh, I think a lot of Spurs fans at the moment are a little bit worried about us not signing any centre backs as yet. Um, of course, we've still got Eric Dyer at the club. The uh, the club are, are just in the middle of putting out a, a documentary on him. I think a lot of people would have expected him or hoped that he would have left this summer. That doesn't look like it's going to be the case. Um, Tapsoba, who you've mentioned, and uh, Mickey van der Ven, these are the two players that we keep being linked with day in, day out. Have you got any updates on them? Does it look like these deals will get done? So van der Ven is, you know, so close now. It looks like we are right on the verge of completing that deal, whether he is announced in time for the plane or whether he flies out a day or two afterwards, because this is another thing that I've, I've had a few messages from people asking, do you think that Van der Ven would make the plane? And even if he doesn't make the plane, that's not going to stop the club from chartering another flight for him to go out yeah. and fly out a day later, two days later. He will be there on that tour. I have 100% confidence that unless he falls over and breaks his leg or cracks his head open and fails his medical, um, that, <laughs> that he will be wearing the lily white shirt next season. I have 100% confidence. I think it's a matter of, of when and not if that happens. Um, just now, obviously, waiting for that official confirmation and the kind of here we go to that, um, you know, it, it's happening in the next few days, 100%. I can say that categorically. Tap Sober is another one. That one, I think, is not quite as advanced. But what I've heard, and of course, I, I don't have any insider knowledge. I've never been an ITK. I will never claim to be an ITK. But just from the conversations I've had from people who are a little bit more um, connected with some of this stuff than I am, it looks like we seem to be edging closer to a compromise with Tapsoba. 
Um, of course, Paul O'Keefe put out that he he believed that we would only be going for one of those two. Now it emerges that it looks like we're going to try and go for both. Um, of course, the fan base have been crying out for both. They want both in. We need two centre-backs at least. I think we probably need three or four centre-backs, if I'm being totally honest. Uh, but with Davinson Sanchez, it looks like it's, again, a matter of when and not if. He leaves the football club um, probably on a cut price deal for probably not too much more than about £10 million. Um, that then opens the door uh, to another centre-back coming in. So Van der Ven, I think, is 100% happening. Taps over. I'm feeling a lot more confident about this one now. I said on I said the other day to you, I said, I think that our three would be um, Van der Ven, Tosin Adarabayo and uh, Clement Longley. I still think Clement Longley is going to happen. But now I genuinely believe that, you know, we're going to get perhaps even all four. That could happen because what's to say that, you know, we're in a situation where Jafet Tanganga gets offered as part of the deal for Tosin Adarabayo and Fulham can get an English defender as part of that. I don't think Christian Romero's future is 100% secure either. Um, I'm not saying that I know anything or that he wants to leave or anything like that, but I think that, well, I know that there's certainly interest from some big clubs in him. Um, we we all see the quality he possesses. There's every chance that a club may make a bold move. I don't think the club would accept it, but um, I think that, you know, it's going to be interesting to see who gets on that plane. I think depending on who gets on that plane, we're going to have a much clearer, I think, idea of whether we're going for three or whether we're going for four. I think we're definitely going for at least three centre-backs uh, this summer. And also just a little word on the Eric Dyer thing. Now, I have nothing against him as a person. I'm sure he's lovely. I actually feel really sorry for him because I just don't think he's good enough as a footballer. Um, but I don't think the club could have been any more tone deaf if they tried in releasing this now when fans are so desperate to see him gone and we want to see centre-backs through the door. I think they could have waited and should have waited until the end of the window. Ange Postacoglu comes out and says, I want Eric Dyer at this football club. And he's had a good pre-season for us. You know, that type of thing. You know, because if it comes to the to the West Ham game or the Leicester game or, you know, uh, even even uh, probably more ty- typically against uh, against the, the Lion City Sailors, right? he has an absolute clangor against the team from Singapore. You know, that that would be the icing on the cake in this or, or the, you know, the red nose on the clown, if you will, uh, to this situation. So I hope for the club's sake that they, you know, Eric Dyer proves himself and can somehow pull off a miracle. You know, the clown becomes the the sorcerer. I don't see it happening. (laughs) So, What what, um, what is it though, Josh? Because in these lists that a lot of the media, um, you know, quite often compile and publish and say, these are the players that Spurs are looking to offload. Why do you think Eric Dyer's name is not on that list? What, What are... You know, what are people like Daniel Levy and, and Postacoglu and, you know, previous managers, what, what do they see that some of us fans don't see? Because I've got nothing against Eric Dyer personally, but when you've 
when you've made that many mistakes in such important games that have been really, really costly to us, how does someone keep getting opportunity after opportunity? Well, I think he's not going to have Hugo Lloris in front of, uh, or behind him for starters. And he's not going to be playing alongside probably the likes of Ben Davis and Davidson Sanchez. And you'd think that if Eric Dyer has good players around him, he should, in theory, do better because. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. People forget how good Eric Dyer was for us. The years that we almost won the Premier League, he was excellent for us. There was a goal he scored, an absolute thunderbolt against Man City when he was kind of playing as a midfielder. To be honest, I think he's a six. I've always thought he's a six and I don't know why he's not a six. Because if you want a player that can cover the centre-back role, but also has enough technical ability, which we all know he can pass a ball, right? We all know. But the thing, but, but the thing is, Josh, every single top team does it. You know, they, you know, players have their time and then it's time to move certain players on. And I, I, I feel that in recent years, we've had so many players like this where we've kept hold of the players when they should have gone. And Eric Dyer, for me, is one of them. 100%. He's got to go. There's no there's no questions about it. But I think half of the kind of thinking would be his versatility, but also probably the fact that he would now, especially if Harry Kane were to leave the club, he would become one of the more senior players, if not one of the most senior players in that team. Because it looks to me, you look at Vicario, Solomon, Poro, Kulusevski, Madison... Madison being the oldest of those players at 26. It looks like Tottenham are now looking to try and sign younger players again. And yeah. every club goes through that cycle. I mean, under Potts, we had the youngest average age in the league. It was like 22.8 years or something was the average yeah. age of players in our squad. Now we're one of the oldest squads in the league. And we've got to, in order to have a cycle and, a, a you know, a real project, we're going to have to get that age of the squad down. And Eric Dyer would be seen as one of the leaders in that squad. Hoybier's future's up in the air. He's a natural leader, in my opinion. But and he's, he's a player I think that fans are way too critical of. Um, and often, you know, they, they solely judge him on seeing him under a negative system like Conte, Mourinho, Nuno, Espirito Santo, as opposed to in an attacking system. Um, you know, 
I don't know why Eric Dyer is still there. For the life of me, I wouldn't have him there. But, you know, if he is going to stay, I hope that Ange can do something different with him. Um, but, you know, this is Conte, Mourinho, Pochettino, Nuno, now Ange. And, of course, the window's still, you know, open. And maybe it's the case that Eric Dyer is going to be given a chance to prove himself. We don't know necessarily what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe maybe Ange isn't as convinced on him as we all maybe think he is. And he, mm. you know, it's a case of show your worth or you're gone. And irrespective yeah. of the documentary, he's been at the club an awfully long time now. Maybe, you know, it's just an episode and maybe we were thinking too deep into it. Maybe it's just the club trying to make the fans understand a player a little bit better. But, you know, for me, he's got to go um, unless Ange genuinely sees something in him. But we're talking about big managers who like this player. Yet us as yeah. a fan base can't stand him. So something there isn't quite right. Um, and, and I really would love to get to the bottom of it. And I would love to have the answer. But I'm just as baffled as you. And I think the millions of fans around the world who have no idea what he's still doing at the football club. I think it's fair to say, though, Josh, because when, um, you know, it was only a couple of months ago, Davinson Sanchez come on at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium got booed. I don't think that the booing was necessarily for him. It was about the decision-making of keeping some of these players that aren't good enough, that shouldn't be there any longer. I think there's a, an element of that. Um, I can't believe we're nearly an hour in and we've neither of us have mentioned Harry Kane yet. Um, what, what is your thoughts on Harry Kane? Because, of course, he came back, uh, to Hotspur way to pre-season training today. Um, this might sound a, an absolutely ridiculous question for you. Do you expect him to get on the plane? Do you expect him to still be at Spurs at the start of next season? Or do you expect him to leave? He's going to be on that plane. Absolutely, he's going to be on the plane. He is the consummate professional. I will completely ignore what happened with Manchester City because I think that was an opportunity he deserved to take and he should have taken and that the club should have allowed to happen, in my opinion. Um, as much as I wanted to keep Kane, I think that was the move we should have allowed him to have. Um, Bayern aren't going to go away easily, of course uh, they're not, but the pictures of him today were very clear and the footage was clear. Tottenham have put him on the socials. Tottenham Hotspur Football Club expect him to be a player and an important player, the most important player, most probably, next season, of course. Levy's not going to entertain the conversation unless Bayern Munich or any other club pay what Levy deems as a fair wage. I personally think that um, 100 million euros plus maybe 10 more in add-ons, that would total around 94, 95 million pounds. I think if we were offered that, we should take the money uh, and run with it. Uh, as much as I love Kane, we're not going to get that opportunity. If he leaves on a free, there's your opportunity to replace him with one or two top players gone. Um, so if the season doesn't go to plan, you've lost your best player and you've lost out on almost £100 million there. He is laser-focused. Look at the photos, look at the videos, it's clear. He's focused on one thing and one thing only, which is being the best player he can possibly be and scoring goals, whether that be for Tottenham, for England, or whether he'd be playing, you know, for a Sunday league team down the road. It doesn't matter who he's playing for, he wants to score goals, he wants to be best version of himself. There's a lot of talk 
a lot of smack talk in the media as well, a lot of nonsense being spewed, a lot of lies, a lot of disinformation, a lot of, you know, stories and clickbait. Of course there is. Journalists, in my view, have an agenda against Harry Kane, and I don't think I'm being unfair in saying that. They have an agenda, not against Harry Kane, but in favour of Harry Kane. They all believe, me included, probably you included, I'd imagine, Everyone believes Harry Kane deserves to win trophies. And the common denominator is Tottenham. That means he cannot win trophies. Now, of course, that's going to make Ange Postacoglu even more determined to win trophies at the club and do it with Kane. So he can stick, you know, the middle finger up at everyone because, you know, in I suppose in Aussie, Aussie fashion, do it with an expletive. Um, you know, but only Kane really knows what he wants to do. Uh, I don't think that having his brother as his agent, I mean, we, I don't know if you saw a photo on social media circulating, his brother wearing a suit to work from home when his only client is his brother. I mean, it's just laughable. Um, it's clear his brother's wanted him out of the club for a long time. It's clear his brother doesn't like our football club. Um, you know, rumour has it he's an Arsenal fan. Rumour has it his dad's an Arsenal fan as well. Um, but do, do, do you know what, Josh? I very, well, I go to every single game home and away, and I very, very uh, often see um, Harry Kane's dad and his brother at games, and uh, at quite a few games, especially in European aways, I've, I've actually been either next to them or behind them. Um, and they celebrate goals. They celebrate uh, when he scores. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't quite believe uh, that narrative. I, you know, I, from what I understand and from what I know, they are Tottenham fans. They want the best for him. Mm. I, th I think that there is, you know, and that's why I use the word rumour. I think that's the important thing. That's the rumour that has circulated far and wide. And, you know, many fans do have this belief. I, I just think that better to keep it out of the family in this case uh, for mm. a player as big as Harry Kane. And I also think that there is also, whilst that might be the case, how do we know 100% if they are genuine Tottenham fans or whether they just support Harry and want the best for Harry. And I think that that is the undeniable. They want the best for Harry. And in the Manchester City saga, it was clear that Charlie Kane was trying to push that move. Harry wanted the move because that was felt like the best avenue for Harry Kane. Leave Tottenham to a club that is not seen as a direct rival, where he can go and win trophies, score a hatload of goals, continue on as England captain, etc. Now, it remains to be seen, of course, whether... He does go, but I must say, the more this rumbles on, the more I do have a suspicion that he may end up leaving the football club. That's not to say that he is, of course, the club uh, may keep him and he may stay. But I think that it comes down to one thing and one thing only. We've, you know, the, the reports are we've offered him around £400,000 a week. That's the, the number being brandished about this bumper new contract. Uh, of course, no details of whether there's a release clause attached to that. No true, you know, verification that this is the case either. This is just, you know, journalist and paper talk. But, you know, if he doesn't sign and he's not prepared to sign now this summer, I think Daniel Levy will not be prepared to take that risk. You cannot afford, you know, and this is as much as I want Kane to stay. I adore Kane. 
he will go down he will be a, a player that i talk to if i have children and grandchildren i will talk to my children and grandchildren and probably even great grandchildren if i was that fortunate i would talk to them about harry kane in the way that you know my dad and you know people of my dad's generation and older talk about the the great jimmy greaves it will be that caliber of player we will talk about the memories the 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 special moments the things that he did that no other player could do you know and i don't think he you know i don't think he owes us anything anymore he's given us everything we could possibly ask for and more he's our all-time record goal scorer if he wants to leave you know let's let's at least get a fee for him because he's far too good a player to let go on a free especially if that then uh, you know opens up the opportunity for him to go to a rival which would be absolutely heartbreaking josh he said on the overlap uh, in particular with gary neville um about if the club didn't match his ambition or were going in the right direction. What will Harry Kane himself be happy with um, this summer? Because, of course, it's understood that he's sat down with Ange Postacoglu today. How do you think that conversation went down? And I'm sure that he would have spoken to Daniel Levy, either on the phone or uh, a hospital away today, um, to talk about Tottenham's future, to talk about Tottenham's transfer window. Of course, we don't have any European football for next season, a player like Harry Kane, in my opinion, should be playing European football every single year of his career. Um, what do you think that they would have said to, to him to try and persuade him to stay? And what, and what, and what do you think he's feeling right now? Well, I think it's going to be what, whatever he's feeling right now will probably be slightly different to what he was feeling a couple of days ago. Because, of course, today, as has been reported kind of everywhere, Ange Postacoglu... Um, was was due to sit down and have some crunch talks with him today, introduce himself, set out his vision. Today is the opportunity and has been the opportunity for Ange to win him over and to bring him on this journey. It's up to Harry Kane whether he wants to accept that challenge or not. Um, but it's clear that today was the pitch and tomorrow will be the pitch and every other day will be that pitch until uh, he signs a new contract, I'm sure. However, um, you know, I think that Ange will have probably actually talked to him very, very directly and straight. Josh, my, I, I think my, my direct question to you really is the fact that I think Harry Kane would probably ask the question that I asked you earlier. What's going to be different this time? Because he's been through so many projects. He's been through all of these managers. Surely Harry Kane will ask that question. What's going to be different this time? Why should I stay at this football club? Because pundits, you know, Alan Shearer, Premier League legend, of course, record goal scorer, always says Harry Kane needs to leave to win a trophy. So how are Spurs going to persuade him that he's going to be a winner at Tottenham? Because I think it's very, very fair to say that Harry Kane could leave, go and play for any club around the world. He can go and win trophies galore. But it would mean so much to him to win something at Tottenham. Of course it would. It would mean the world to him. And, and my understanding has always been that Harry Kane's number one aim in his career is to win a trophy with England. And on par with that is to win a, a trophy with Tottenham. He wants to win trophies, but he wants to win trophies with our football club. You know, yeah. of course, he's going to ask that question. But, you know, ultimately, there are going to be things out, out of Ange Postacoglu's hands. The backing that he receives, which players he's allowed to bring in, because, you know, there might be a player that he wants that any manager might want that might the club might decide is out of their budget. Ange Postacoglu has to sell him 
his vision for the football club, his philosophy, his idea for what he wants to do with the, the you know, the, the team. You know, and I think there's two things. One is the club need to prove themselves to Harry Kane. Daniel Levy has to answer that question, to be honest, of what's going to be different this time. And Ange Postacoglu has got to answer the question, what's going to be different about your team compared to the others that I've played in? I think it's it's one of those that I completely understand your question, but it's almost two slightly different questions that are under the same umbrella for two different people. Well, because I, I, I was thinking, Ange Postacoglu could say to Harry Kane, well, we're going to play super entertaining football. And Harry Kane will think, well, I scored 30 goals in 38 Premier League games. I couldn't have done any more. And I doubt that I'm going to score more than that next season in this super entertaining style of football that you want to play. So is that going to change anything? I think there's going to be a couple of things. I think if Ange, we were talking earlier about Ange at Celtic and his cup competitions, he's going to say, you know, what I would hope Ange says, of course, I wasn't in the room. I would have loved to be a fly on the wall. I think you would have as well. Um, Yeah. I think Ange, as I said before, he's going to be very direct. He's going to be very upfront and straight with Harry Kane. And he's going to say, I cannot give you any guarantees other than we will try our damned hardest to be the most successful team that we can be playing entertaining football that gets fans off their seats. And we are going to give absolutely everything we've got in every competition we play, because there's no excuses not to, given that we don't have European football. We will go all out to win a trophy. And if we're going to go and win a trophy, you're going to be a key part of that. You are going to be the final piece in that jigsaw. We want to build a team around you. We want to strengthen in every area so that our whole squad is better across the board. We want to have characters in here who want to lead, who want to win, who buy into this system, who are under the same page as all of us. We want to be, uh, you know, all under the same impression of what's expected of you, what's expected of me, what's expected of everyone at this football club to be successful. Something has got to change at this football club and you are a key part of that change. You have led the way in terms of your attitude, your dedication, your ability. What you have given to this football club and this fan base has been everything. Now it's our turn to step up and show that same level and match your ambition. We're going to do everything we can, but you are a key part. You, Sonny, Richarlison, you know, Madison, all of these players, we want to build a team and every team needs a top striker. There is no striker better in the world than you for this job. If you want to leave, that's up to you. I can't change your mind. All I can do is sell you and be honest with you. And, you know, I want you to have a think about what you want, do what's best for you. But what's best for our football club, what's going to be best for me is having you here at this football club because you are an asset that no football club in the world can afford to lose. We want to, you know, give you what you have given us. That is all he can say, in my opinion, is is something along those lines, of course, in a far more exciting Australian way. (laughs) But you get the gist. You know, that's what they can, because ultimately this decision is down to Harry Kane. Whether we sell it to him or not, we can sell him a dream. He can say, oh, well, Conte did this. Mourinho said this. You know, what is going to be different? And he could be as sceptical as the fans are, you know. Um, Mm. It is going to come down to Kane and what he feels in his heart. Um, You know, and if Kane wants to leave, we've got to let him go. That's as simple as that. 
But Ange, I'm sure, will be doing everything he can. And I'm sure that in the snippets and cameos and bits and pieces we've seen of him so far, I, I'm convinced. Are you convinced? I don't know what you think, but if I have Antonio Conte kind of, you know, stuttering his way through a sentence to try and convince me to stay at the club or Ange saying it perfectly like that, you know, with a bit of punch, a bit of bite. Uh, I, I know who I'm, I know who I'm getting behind. I know who's convincing me. I'll tell you what, Josh, I'll be completely honest. I've changed my mind a couple of times. Um, I started off thinking, no, Harry Kane's definitely going to be a Spurs player next season. And then I've gone full circle and, and thought, no, he's leaving. And uh, I'm back to that again. Um, I don't know where it's going to end up. I think I think he's obviously got a big decision to make. Um, if I asked you for a prediction, what would you say about Harry Kane's future? Do you think he will start that game against Brentford away on the 13th of August, our first Premier League game? Will he still be a Spurs player? I feel exactly the same as you because I said to you, and, and obviously people people watching this and, and listening later on won't have heard this because this was before we, we went live. But I said to you, I think he's going to leave. But just on the on the space, it's been it's been an hour and ten minutes. And you change your mind. I've changed. I've changed my mind about five times. <laughs> I genuinely cannot call it. I cannot call it. I genuinely, I think that whoever, I think you could put Leicester odds on both outcomes and whoever, you know, and it's it's <laughs> the flip of a coin, genuinely. Um, I think pre-season is going to be telling. If he's starting, if he's playing minutes, um, I'm also looking forward to this Hot Ones interview that comes out tomorrow to see if he is asked anything about his future, if he's asked anything about Tottenham or whether they refrain from that because, of course, he had the interview with the overlap where he was very honest and you know, a lot of yeah. fans didn't like what they heard there. So it's going to be interesting to hear that because he doesn't do media all that often. If I'm going to give you a straight yes or no, is he going to start at Brentford? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no and hope that I'm wrong. OK, this might get clipped. <laughs> That's why I say I hope, hope that I'm wrong. Yeah. Really um, Josh, before we go through every single Tottenham Hotspur player and your opinions on them or whether they will head out the door this summer, um, just want to go back to the um, the incomings this summer. Of course, Vicario, Madison, Solomon, and as you rightly mentioned, Pedro Porro and uh, Kulisevsky over the line as well. Um, Tabsoba, Van der Ven, we've covered. If we got in uh, Tabsoba and Van der Ven, Anken Longley, as you mentioned, and I completely agree with you, by the way, and I think we'll get him in. Um, is that enough in this window or are there any other areas on the pitch or on the bench that we need? And the other question um, to this is with that squad and with Tabsoba and Van der Ven, if we got both of them in with Clement Longley as well, how would Spurs stand against all of the other Premier League teams? Is that a good enough squad to finish and challenge, challenge for the top four? Yes, it's good enough to challenge for the top four. 100% it's good enough to challenge for the top four because, you've, of course, we still have that little bit of stardust. We've still got Harry Kane. And I'm going to hold on to that as long as he's at the football club. We've still got Harry Kane. We've still got Sonny, who hopefully now after his little operation and, and you know, what has clearly been the toughest year in his career, 
Um, you yeah. know, go back to really. We, you know, I, uh, me and my, you know, my family, we always talk about smiling Sonny, and I, I had the pleasure of meeting him uh, when he was suspended um, in the Champions League semi-final against Ajax, the home game. We lost one nil. He stopped and had a chat with me for about five minutes. It was probably the best, one of the best days of my life because I also got to meet Glenn Hoddle that day. Um, but Sonny was so smiley, so happy, absolutely adores our fan base, adores our football club. Yeah. You know, I want to see Sonny, you know, smiling Sonny on the football pitch again. That's what I want to see. Is this with those signings and the centre-backs, if we can get Tapsoba, Van der Ven, long lay through the door. Is it good enough? Absolutely, it's good enough because Newcastle on paper had a team that I think is far weaker than that and got top four. Um, and there are teams that have far, you know, look far stronger on paper and didn't get top four. So I think we're in the dogfight 100%. I think that Man City and Arsenal are the guaranteed top two, in my opinion. And then I think it's a straight out shootout between um, Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Tottenham and I'd even go as far as to say Newcastle and Aston Villa now I would throw into the mix Mm. I'm really impressed with what Aston Villa's doing Um, in answer to what you said about the the other positions it depends on outgoings I think because for me we're missing an out and out number six I know Basuma is very capable of doing the job and I think he's very good there but there are some great players on the market in that role the likes of Romeo Lavia who I think would be excellent for us. And if we were to lose the likes of Pierre-Emile Huibert, you know, in command, quite a good fee. I'd, I'd imagine he'd be somewhere around the 30, 35 million pound mark. Um, we'd need to replace him with a top player. Um, I was a little bit gutted to see Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. It's, you know, here we go on Al-Hilal in Saudi Arabia. He was the exact type of, Number eight, goal scorer, creative, also good defensively that I think Tottenham and the vast majority of teams around Europe could have done with, especially at that price of 40 million euros. Um, I do think as well, a winger, another winger, a right winger. That's only because Brian Hill, who I'm sure will go on to it when we go through all the players, uh, it's yet to, to, to be kind of proven whether he's going to stay at the football club or not. It, just when he started to be playing really good stuff, we sent him back to Spain and he went to Sevilla, of course, a really important part of that Europa League winning squad. Um, but what I would say is, you know, if Hill stays, give him a chance, 100%. If not, then we're going to have to look elsewhere. I know Jeremy Pino from uh, Villarreal, 20-year-old Spanish winger, very, very highly regarded in Spain. He's had a very good season Um for them this season. He's, he's one of those that we've been scouting for the last sort of 12 months or so. It's a name that's gone a little bit quiet, perhaps, because, you know, naturally we're focused on all the other positions. So it's it's easy to to kind of not think about those sides of things. But if Hill goes, we're going to need to replace him, of course. Uh, and then, of course, you know, we've spoken about Harry Kane. If Harry Kane goes, we're going to need at least one, if not two strikers to come through the door. I know that uh, you know, from, from the people I'm speaking to and from what I'm hearing, Dusan Vlajevic, so kind of, you know, regularly talked about um, this window. PSG keen on him. Chelsea uh, potentially keen on him as well. Um, you know, Aston Villa amongst other clubs. He's the one that seems to be top 
of the list um, at the minute, from what I'm hearing. He's the one that Daniel Levy really likes him. He's a player that, you know, obviously he's quite different to Kane. He's very big and physical, but he's more of a run into the box, a fox in the box, score-headed goals, both feet, volleys, make himself a nuisance. It's a very kind of different to Kane, who was dropping deep. For the likes of James Madison... I mean, that's a perfect kind of striker and would complement Richarlison really well. Um, my number one target, I must say, there's two players that I really wanted if we do lose Kane. One being Osimen, who is, you know, unless <laughs> you get Saudi takeover or whatever, and you're going with 150 million minimum, I don't think Aurelio De Laurentiis is going to entertain the conversation. I don't think he's going to even pick up the phone. Uh, and then Lois Openda, who is uh, on the verge of joining RB Leipzig for 40 million. Um, it was fantastic for Lens in France uh, this season. So, yeah, I mean, those are the positions we need to strengthen, of course. But, you know, and I'm sure it, it leads on to, to going through those players. But, you know, um, it does depend on outgoings. I think, crucially, we're doing the business we need to be doing first. There's a lot to do. There is a lot to do. Um, Josh, let's go through all the players. Let's start with club captain Hugo Lloris. Um, and I should have mentioned, actually, I, I reckon that Ange Postacoglu probably said to Harry Kane today, um, if you stay, I want you as captain. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, but Lloris, I personally would be very surprised if he got on the plane because there is a lot of talk at the moment. Um, you know, quite a few clubs interested in taking him. What does surprise me, though, is that it seems that Spurs want a fee for him rather than let him go on a free transfer. Um, and the only thing I think, well, two things I think is very sad about Hugo Lloris leaving. One, another quality player who's been great for us without winning a trophy at the football club. And two, his last appearance at the football club would have been that first half against Newcastle when we were 5-0 down. Um, would you expect Hugo Lloris to get on the plane or do you think he's heading out the door? He's gone. He's gone. It's it's very, very clear. Um, and I think he's gone on the simple reason of this, not based on evidence of, 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 you know, there is a deal that's done or anything like that. But he went out in the French media and said he wants a new challenge. And when a player comes out and says very yeah. clearly, you know, I want to leave the football club. He never had a personal issue with Tottenham Hotspur. He never said a bad word about our football club. He, I think, was very respectful in that interview with the paper in, uh, in Nice. Uh, but he said he wants to go have a new challenge. And for me, that challenge is potentially back in France. I know PSG have been linked with a move for him. I know that Nice will be desperate to re-sign uh, the man, uh, you know, where it all started. Um, Inter Milan, of course, another one of those clubs interested. I'm sure Saudi will have something to say as well. It is yeah. sad. It's desperately sad. This is a player that probably deserved a testimonial because he's been... Yeah. So long serving for us and such a, a brilliant asset to our football club. We had the World Cup winning goalkeeper. We had, you know, for many years, one of the best goalkeepers in the world. But, you know, unfortunately, his career has, has kind of snowballed a little bit and it's it's gone downhill and he's made mistakes and he's got a bit older. And I feel like now our fan base, aren't me included, aren't giving him the respect he deserves because... You know, what was an absolutely and has been an absolutely astonishing spell at this football club. And very unlucky, of course, to not win a trophy. You know, it's gone very pear-shaped, you know, very, very quickly. And 
I think it's always sad to see players that have given everything for your football club over a decade leave under such sad circumstances. But there's no way he's on that plane. It's not happening. He, he's going to be staying and and I think in the next week or two, probably in the next week, I'd imagine, um, it will be clearer what happens with him. On the fee, I completely understand why Spurs want a fee because we're, we, you know, we're, we're cutting our losses. Sanchez was... Uh, over forty million pounds, and we're going to be letting him go for probably less than ten million pounds, uh, or ten million pounds at best. You know, we're going to be losing money on Indombele if he decides he wants to leave. We're certainly going to lose money on Lo Celso, um, and he's still got a year remaining on his contract. Of course, I understand why you would just let him go, but for me, if you can get even if it's just two or three, four million pounds, you know, five million euros, I'll take that plus the wages, it might sound like penny pinching. It might sound like, you know, it might add fuel to the fire of the, the Levy haters that will, you know, use anything to, to have a dig at Daniel Levy, um, of which, of course, a lot of the criticism I understand. But again, that would be even worse. Let him go on a free when his contract's not even expired yet. After the 5 nil down, he goes off. There's clearly been a bust up behind the scenes. You know, I don't believe for one second there was an in, uh, an injury. It was, of course, it was a bust up. You don't come mm. off 5 nil in those circumstances when you're the club captain. He's been yeah. told that he's not going to be the club captain next season. I think it was very clear Harry Kane was always going to be the club captain going forward. That was going to be one of the things to use as, as bait to keep him at the club. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I understand why the club's doing what they can do. And I think for even if it's five million euros, I think someone will pay that. This is Hugo Lloris. We're not talking about Stipe, uh, Stipe Pletikosa here. We're talking about a goalkeeper that, you know, has been, uh, you know, probably, you know, it, it, certainly in certain conversations, he's been a, a bit of a generational talent um, down the years. I'm not saying he's been the best goalkeeper or anything like that, but, you know, He's one of the top goalkeepers of the last decade and no one can take that away from him. Josh, one player that didn't get on Antonio Conte's plane to South Korea last year was Sergio Regulon. Um, still only 26, signed for us three years ago. Um, where do you see his future? I hope it's still at the football club. I really do. I I, there's, I see him being, especially now that Sessegnon um, has had this you know, yet another really unfortunate injury. Yeah. Um, you know, and actually, to be honest, I, I worry for his career at this point. Um, I don't, I'm not even thinking about him as a Spurs player. I just, I don't think there's any way Ryan Sessegnon will stay at our football club beyond this injury, um, you know, uh, in, in a sort of real important sense. I think he will be sold at the next available opportunity once he's fit because you cannot keep, a player that has this recurring injury and it's desperately sad. I hope he gets over it and he doesn't have to retire early or he doesn't have to drop down a level. But, you know, Reguilón fits the bill. He's an Ange fullback, I would think, on paper. You would think great attacking uh, qualities, absolutely rapid, not the worst defender, not the best defender, but not the worst defender. And, you know, he was a player that was at Real Madrid and, of course, his health was a big issue at that Atletico can't even speak anymore, at Atletico Madrid. Um, you know, and a lot of people don't realise that. A lot of people think, oh, he was just rubbish and he wasn't getting played. We actually was in and out of hospital. He was really unwell um, at one point. I want to see him stay at the football club. He costs a lot of money and he's so smiley and happy. And 
I, I can see the situation where him and Porro were so happy and, you know, clearly they get on, Hill gets on with them. He seems like a really likeable kind of guy. Of course, he had a falling out with Conte, but I think that you or me could easily have a falling out with Conte. I don't think that's a particularly difficult thing uh, to happen. So, yeah, I want to see him on the plane. I want to see him given an opportunity and I can't wait to see him hopefully revive his career. That's what I want, at least. You know, what, what, what do you think? I'd be surprised if he's on that plane. I don't, I don't know why. I've just got a feeling that he, he's not going to be there. And I've got a feeling that Spurs want to offload him this summer. Um, but it's going to be interesting, Josh, because we're going to go for every single player. So uh, I think we're going to probably have uh, a mix of opinion here. Um, Pierre-Emile who you've touched on already, um, do you really think he will leave the football club? Because, you know, he's been with us for three years. He's been a very, very important part of our midfield. Does Spurs really let Pierre-Emile go this summer? I know that, you know, very mixed opinions amongst the fan base. He is a player that has been heavily criticised in the past, but some people have said that he is captain material. One of the most underrated and over-criticised players at our football club, in my opinion. Um, someone that is judged, you know, viciously on social media on the basis of playing in a very negative tactical situation where he had, frankly, clowns behind him at the back, putting him under pressure. He played more progressive passes than any other midfielder. He scored more goals than any other midfielder for us. He created more chances, had more shots and was more effective than any other midfielder, as in a central midfielder uh, for us last season. Um, we've all seen what he can do for Denmark when he plays as an eight, when he's allowed to get forward. That goal that he scored against Marseille was one of the most important goals of our season last year. And that was a very high-pressured situation. It was an incredible finish as well from him. I want to see him stay at the football club 100%. But if the fee comes in, if Tottenham can receive €40 million Euros for him or £35 million, pounds, I think the club may have their arm twisted on this one because I, I understand that Hoybier wants to stay at the club. He's very happy at our football club. But there may just be a sense of the club looking to force him out the door as opposed to him wanting to leave the club. Look at the teams that are in the conversation for him. Juventus, Atletico Madrid. These are clubs that are, in my opinion, far bigger than ours on a European and global scale in terms of, of footballing success. Um, and I think it's very clear, Bayern Munich's another one that's been linked with uh, a return for him. If he was that bad and he was worthy of all this nonsense criticism, I'll call it nonsense criticism because that is exactly what it is. Um, why would he be linked with all of these massive clubs? Why would Pep Guardiola absolutely wax lyrical about him, which he has done on multiple occasions? Absolutely, you keep him at all costs unless the fee is substantial and you replace him with an adequate uh, replacement. You've got to bring in someone of top, top quality. And I'm talking a midfielder that's being linked with the biggest clubs in world football, not a midfielder that's linked with the likes of Aston Villa. I mean, I'm talking about Lavia being linked with some of the top clubs uh, in, in Europe. I'm talking about some of the biggest names. If he was to go to Atletico Madrid, that's fine. But I'd like Rodrigo de Paul, World Cup winner in his place. You know, I want a serious name. Uh, to come in for him if he does go. I have a feeling he stays, though. Josh, what about the future of Oliver Skip? Because, of course, he, he really uh, shone when he played for Norwich City on loan. Uh, he had a handful of games at Tottenham last season. He's been criticised heavily by 
uh, a lot of the fan base stating that he is the next Harry Winks and he's not good enough. Um, when Benton Kerr is back, uh, when Basuma is firing, now you've got Madison in the uh, in the setup as well. Where does Oliver Skip fit in? On the bench, unfortunately. Uh, I have a lot of time and love for Ollie Skip. One of our own. The passion he has for our football club is, you know, is special. You can see it. You know, when he, when he talks about Spurs, when you see him in interviews, uh, he's still that, he still seems like a shy little kid, even though he's not anymore. You know, he loves our football club. He's one of us. And for that alone, I'd want to keep him. But where do we want to go as a football club? We want to be at the top end. And is he good enough for that? I'm not so sure, to be honest. I mean, look, he didn't start for the England under-21s. He was a substitute player for them. Of course, it's an incredibly talented bunch of players. But Curtis Jones wasn't a regular starter for Liverpool. He was in and out of that team, but he was starting and he was one of the most important players in that team. I just feel like his future is probably best away from our club. Not for our sake, but for his sake. Uh, I think going to a club like Bournemouth, going to a club, um, you know, and I say a club like Bournemouth and people see that as a disrespect, perhaps. Bournemouth is a club that's obviously had a massive takeover and they're looking to build and become a top 10 club. You know, they, they want to go places, Bournemouth. So I think he would be perfect for that type of club. Um, I even think, you know, a, a club like maybe even a, a Brighton or, you know, somewhere around mid-table, you know, I think Crystal Palace would be perfect for him, somewhere like that. I'd love to see him improve. I'd love to see him get better. I'm just not sure there's going to be space for him next season to get the minutes he needs to develop. I'll tell you what, Josh, I think that Oliver Skip will be a completely different player in Postacoglu's system and the way that Postacoglu wants to play because I think that he has been told uh, a lot, especially under the likes of Antonio Conte, of how to play, of how to pass the ball back or sidewards. Because I remember watching Skip and the under-21s it was at the time. I know it's the under-23s now, but the under-21s, he was 17 years old. He was the best player on the pitch by an absolute country mile. And you know, for what he did for Norwich City as well, I think that if you're going to play in a certain system, um, then he would be a much better player. So I think that will be a very, very interesting situation uh, with Ollie Skip. But, you know, with the amount of players that we're going to talk about, you know, perhaps some of these players will go out on loan and get loan opportunities. Um, Damson Sanchez, I know we've touched on him already. Um, I fully expect Damson Sanchez to go out the, the door this summer. Um, of course, there has been um, various reports, including from Fabrizio Romano, stating that, you know, various clubs are interested in him and, uh, a bid has been placed and the, the player is thinking about it. Um, let's go on to Hunmin Son. I, I know you touched on him earlier. Um, a very, very difficult season for him. Of course, the season before, top goal scorer in the Premier League um, alongside Mo Salah. Um, what sort of season do you think he will have under Postacoglu? I've very quickly forgiven him. I, uh, I was probably one of his bigger critics last season. Um, and to be honest, as much as the hernia, and I, I have experienced that myself I am still you know recovering from a hiatal hernia where the top of my stomach has gone into my esophagus and that's been really difficult and painful so I 100% sympathize with him on can, 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 I, can I ask you that then Josh are you surprised that when he come out and said about his injury that he'd had for so long 
how on earth can a professional footballer, especially someone like him, how can they continue playing Premier League football with this injury? He was reluctant to come out and talk about it as well. And yeah. I think that's telling. I think that there is, a, and, and it's a disgrace, and it is nothing less than that. It is an absolute disgrace. The way that our medical staff and the way that our club has handled injuries over the last 18 months to two years has been absolutely horrendous. Sorry to interrupt. During the Amazon documentary, it seemed that the medical staff didn't take any risks whatsoever. And it seemed that, you know, during the Amazon documentary, that Jose Mourinho was quite often frustrated by some players being out and not available through, you know, some soft decisions sometimes. So how on earth can something like that happen? I don't know if there's been changes in staff. I know that uh, Dr. Shabazz Mughal left the football club and he was someone that was a very, very big part. Him and Jeff Scott were two of the main you know, doctors at the club. I remember, you know, and I'll, I'll always remember them at the club because of their role in the Fabrice Mwamba cardiac arrest and and all of that. But, you know, the, I know there's been some staff changes, but also fear the wrath of Conte, perhaps. Um, and I wonder, I wonder what, you know, if he has had anything to do with that. Um, because, you know, Son absolutely should not have been playing. He should have been you know, um, having that operation and back as soon as possible. But maybe it was a case of taking the risk because of the number of injuries that we had because they were dropping like flies at one point. But the other thing is, you know, Bentoncourt. For his ACL to go, Harry Kane was uh, heard saying that he could hear it pop. Mm. He was forced to walk off the pitch, which has probably done significantly more damage. And he you know, won't be back until probably November. And I think that's being optimistic, even though, yes, we're seeing him back at training. Yes, he's working hard. And by the way, that's an injury that's so serious that there is no guarantees he will be the same player ever again. And there's no, and you know, he's already been warned. I've, I've been told on, on, you know, on good knowledge from someone quite close to him that there's a very good chance that he may have to leave Tottenham because he may not be able to play Premier League football or deal with that intensity again. People do not realise how serious that injury was, irrespective of how he recovers from it, um, which is a shame because he's another one that he he has ambitions to be Tottenham captain one day, Bentoncourt. Um, but yeah, Sonny, he, he's going to have a good season next year. I, I was very critical. I'm not going to give the injury as an entire excuse for his poor season because I think that either way, your first touch is your basics in football. You know, I can sit on my bed and if you threw a football at me, more often than not, I would back myself to control the ball to a reasonable degree. I'm no amazing football or anything like that, but, you know, it's the first thing I learned as a kid, how to control the football. He couldn't do that. Five-yard passes he was struggling to do. But then we had moments of brilliance from him, like the goal against Brighton and the hat-trick against Leicester. Yeah. Yeah. I think Angie's going to give him a new lease of life. And I have cut 100% clean slate. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like having a puppy, right, that it takes your food or does something to annoy you. And then you look at its cute face and you forgive it instantly, even if you're pissed off at the time. Son's smile has that effect on me. And I think most fans, I look at him 
in training or see pictures of him wearing our kit, you know, so proud to be in our club. And I all is forgiven. I think he's going to fly under Ange. And I think Ange's comments uh, were very telling. Someone who really does need to fly from the very off of next season, Josh, in my opinion, is Richarlison. One Premier League goal for us. Of course, big money move from Everton. Um, I've got to admit, I was very excited when we signed Richarlison. I know he's he's been... Uh, or he's had a lot of criticism from Spurs fans and uh, opponents fans as well. Um, but recently, I even went to a charity game where him and Emerson Royale were playing. And he was playing up front, obviously. And he missed so many glorious opportunities um, against a team full of YouTubers and influencers, etc. And I just felt at the time watching that game that he can't even get a break in one of these charity games. So how on earth does Ange Postacoglu change him and uh, and get the best out of him next season? There's two things. One that a lot of people, you know, weren't aware of was the fact that he's had this niggling injury for a very long time. Um, he's not been 100% fit for pretty much the whole season. He went to the World Cup with a niggle, exacerbated that at the World Cup. He allegedly, you know, reported, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm good friends with, uh, with Johnny Ham, who, you know, he, uh, he's, you know, he's best friends with Richarlison's agent. So I hear little bits and pieces um, from, from, from him. Richarlison, you know, has been complaining of some of these problems and unexplainable pain uh, of which um, the response again from the medical staff um hasn't been satisfactory in my opinion now since the season had ended he's had you know specialists for that he's gone and seen some doctors to try and get this fixed he's motivated I think to come back stronger than ever one thing that we can't doubt yes he's not been good enough 100 percent but he is determined to deliver and when you see how good a player he was you know when he puts on the Canarinho you know Brazil shirt um is a different player. But to do that, you've got to play him as a nine, play him as a striker that's going to get in behind, get in, you know, get his self on the end of stuff in the box. He's not been able to do that. He was played right wing here, left wing there, 70 minutes here, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. You know, I was very critical of Conte's late substitutions and I think Richarlison was really badly misused by Conte. Yeah. Of course, when you're given a chance, you've got to take it. He knows that. But yeah. under Ange, his pressing ability, his ability to wind up defenders, a player like Madison who's going to feed balls in, you know, maybe he might play up with Kane. Maybe if Kane leaves, he'll get another opportunity. He'll get a better opportunity. You know, all the makings are there for him to have a good season. I genuinely do believe that irrespective of how he's done in his career so far, the numbers, when you look at what he's capable of doing for Brazil, he's capable of doing it in a Spurs shirt. Of course he is. We just need to have players around him that, you know, can supply to him. And, you know, how good all his finishes were that uh, were all offside with these, obviously these offside rules are changing now. So I'm sure Richarlison is going to be onside for all of them instead of offside. So hopefully we don't have to see him take his top off and get another yellow card for the goal to be ruled out by VAR. But no, I, I think he's going to do well next season. I, I think he's going to be far more of an asset to us than he was. I'm still hopeful with Richarlison. I think his attitude's a big part of that. 
George, let's cover um, Emerson Royale and Pedro Porro. Of course, Pedro Porro came in uh, recently. Um, Emerson Royale was originally bought as a right back, and then we went to um, a right wing back uh, system. Um, where do you where do you see the right back situation going for Tottenham next season? Emerson Royale, of course, we haven't even spoken about Jed Spence as well. What happens to him? Uh, does he get any game time under? Postacoglu next season, or does he go out on loan? Um, who is number one choice for right wing back? Oh, sorry, right back. Um, it's going to be Emerson Royale, in my opinion. Uh, I, I do genuinely think Emerson Royale will be front and centre the right back next season. He's the natural fit for it. Ange loves to play with inverted fullbacks. He does just that. When Emerson started winning fans over, I must say, I... I was critical of him at the very start, but I, I've always liked him. I've always seen a player in there. Um, it was, you know, Anfield um, in the season, we got Champions League football. We drew one all, um, you know, and should have won that game. Like so many times we've been to Anfield, we have one chance, we should have won it. He was unbelievable that game. And for me, where we're going to see Emerson, we're going to see him at right back. He's going to be, for me, the number one right back. But I wouldn't also be surprised to see him cover right centre-back. If Romero, who has had this ongoing knee issue throughout his whole career, if that flares up again or if there's an injury, I, I can see him quite comfortably slotting into the right centre-back role under Ange, especially with his ability to invert. Uh, he's quite big. He's good in the air. Um, I think for me, and maybe this is, you know, I mentioned earlier when you were saying, you know, places we might need to uh, strengthen Brian Hill may get another loan spell. And in that case, I can still... I think Pedro Porro is better as a winger, personally. Because why, would you, why would you loan Brian Hill again? It's, because it's I, I, just, I just feel that if, if you're going to send him out on loan again, you may as well just cash in. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and I think that remains to be seen. If, a, you know, Sevilla wants to come in and pay money for him, I really like Hill. I want to see Hill stay at the football club. I believe that there is a really good player there. Um, of course, he needs to beef up. He needs to build some muscles. He needs to do a Popeye and get on the spinach. Um, you know, but uh, for me, you know, I think pre-season we're going to learn a lot more in the next few weeks as to who fits the system, who doesn't, what Ange thinks about certain players. And I'm sure Ange, of course, he's seeing that now, but he's going to learn a lot more about his players too uh, in this time. So for me, Porro is more of a, uh, definitely more of a, a, a right midfielder, a wide midfielder, um, who obviously I think can play that right back role. And I think if, if a situation arises where you need Emerson to play as a right centre-back, which I think will happen this season, then Porro naturally uh, fits in. But the key thing is you need to have a good left back, good left centre back, and you need to have a good goalkeeper. But then the one position that I don't think people talk about enough is that number six role, that defensive midfield role. Because if you have someone that is genuinely excellent defensively, then you can allow yourself to play an Adoji at left back and a Porro at, at right back who can be exposed a little bit more because you've got that extra player to cover. We haven't had that. So, yeah, for me, Emerson, I'm a huge fan of his. I think he's a great player. I love his attitude. There is interest in Emerson, from what I understand, from um, a couple of big clubs in Europe. 
um, which may come as a surprise to some fans. But, you know, I, I certainly see his qualities uh, and I hope he stays. I hope he plays as the starting right back. I know Ange definitely wants to keep him. Uh, but of course, you signed Porro for all this money. So I think that what will be really clear is in pre-season, does Porro play as a winger? Does he play as a right back? And I think that that will dictate a little bit. It just seems, Josh, that in previous transfer windows, we've signed players of certain positions. Then we try to change their position, particularly left wing back, right wing back, left back, right back. Um, Destiny Udoji, who you mentioned there, we had an, an Italian journalist on the other day. And he said um, for Udinese last season, he played in a uh, left wing back role. And to to ask him to play left back now would be a big struggle for him. Um, would you agree with that? Do you, do you expect him to come in as Spurs left back? Uh, because, of course, Ivan Perisic, it looks highly likely that he'll be leaving the football club um, this summer. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, for me... Um... It kind of opens a can of worms, to be honest, because it's a real muddle. Um, because it, on one hand, you might be like, OK, well, we might have to keep Ben Davis and play him left back. Um, you know, because who, who, looks who like is the first choice? I, I can't tell you because for me, my gut feeling would have been someone like Region. I think Region's the natural fit. But then I have heard, you know, and I know you you kind of gave a, a little hint at it. You don't think he's going to be on that plane. I've heard whispers that Ange isn't so keen or has maybe even told him that he's not part of his plans. Um, however, he may have to rethink that. Reguilón for me is the natural fit. He's the only one now that Sessegnon's injured that can start that. We probably need to go and buy a left back if Perisic leaves. Um, Udoji might struggle. He might. He may well struggle. I mean, there's three positions I think he can play. Udoji can play left wing back. I think he's capable of playing left back. I also, in a four three three, think he's capable of playing the left centre midfield role. Um, but it's going to take him time. We cannot expect. He's got all the talent in the world. Udoji. He's a player I've watched hell of a lot of uh, for for a few years now. I, uh, you know, I've grown up supporting Italy and watching all of the Italy youth teams through my dad. Um, although my last name is a very Italian. He grew up in Italy and it's a whole other story that I can go into another time. But, um, you know, he's a player that's been talked about in Italy for a very long time. He's got the work rate, the physicality, the size to play left back. But it's not going to be overnight and in the Premier League as well. Whether he has a loan, I don't know. You'd have to bring in a left back if you're going to loan a doji. And I wouldn't rule out a loan for a doji to a Premier League club. But... Um, it all depends on his attitude, really. If Udoji's prepared to give it his all and do it, he's got all the ability to do it. So for me, yeah, in answer to your question, Region's the natural fit, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was Ben Davis. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Udoji. It's a real mess. I, I genuinely, I can't call it. Cannot call it. Preseason's going to clear a lot of it up, I think. Josh, I'm really, really interested to get your opinion on Giovanni Lo Celso and Tongi Ondombele. Um, two players that promise so much and uh, have delivered very little, in my opinion, at the football club. They cost so much money. Um, do you think Postacoglu will give either one of these or both of them a chance? 
Lacelso's perfect for the progressive eight. He's perfect for the ten role. Um, he would be such an asset to our squad if we kept him. I have no idea if he wants to stay. I don't know if he's interested. Of course, the reports recently linking him with Napoli, Fabrizio Romano talking about Real Betis. I'm sure there there would be clubs out the door for Lo Celso because let's not forget, if it wasn't for his injury, he would have been the one getting all the plaudits at the World Cup and not Alexis McAllister. That is a fact. Um, and there was a tribute that the Argentine players did to him with a big flag and you know get well soon to him when he got injured and he was obviously devastated to miss uh, the World Cup, but he was so good for Villarreal, um, especially in the year they won the Europa League. Um, yeah, for me, for me, I, I don't see Lo Celso having a future at the club at all. Um, I'm sure Romero, who I know is good friends with him, would love to keep him at the club. I certainly see the merits to keeping him. But again, that comes down to, does he want to be at the football club? How hardworking is he going to be? Um, how is Ange going to find him? How is he going to communicate with the team? There was rumours, and I will say again, I stress rumours, that he had a bit of a miserable attitude um, when you know things started to go a little bit wrong for him and he wasn't very well liked in the squad. Our squad yep. has changed a lot since then. We've got a lot of Spanish players in. We've got Romero in. We've got, you know, Bentoncourt in. I know there's a nice little group that these South Americans have. And then they have their honorary South Americans in Perisic and Hoybier, um, as part of that group as well in Porro. Um, I, I would understand why you'd want to keep him. I, I personally can't see him staying. I think we one will stay. But the one that I do see staying is Tongi and Dombele. Uh, the way that he's been spoken about by Ange Postacoglu, almost if to say the ball is in his court if he wants to be at the football club or not. He's been training well. Uh, I know it was only about 15-second video, but I saw him sprinting for the first time ever. He wasn't sprinting out of the car when he arrived at hospital away for training. No, not at all. Uh, but, uh, but then again, you know, I say, how many people do you see in the street that are like that? You know? some Not many. <laughs> 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 well, maybe where you live, but in it over here, <laughs> more than my fair share. Um, you know, I, I think that he is just a very sluggish individual. But Newcastle away, that 3 2 uh, win, that was, um, you know, the year that um, I think it was the year that Conte came into the football club, wasn't it? Um, he was just unbelievable. And we all know what he's capable of doing, but it's down to him. It's his attitude. It's his laziness that he's got to get right. Um, he could absolutely thrive under Ange Postacoglu, but he could also absolutely flop. It's all on him. If he's not cut for it, if he's not up for it, he's, he's out, out the door. So, yeah, I, I have a feeling one of them will stay. But just at the minute, I think we're more likely to get a fee and clubs lining up for, for Lo Celso. So that's the one that I think Spurs are probably more likely to cash in on. I'll tell you what, I, I, I would be very surprised if either one of those players get any Premier League minutes under Postacoglu. I think that Spurs would probably be best, in my opinion, to offload both of them. But they, they're on good wages and uh, they cost a lot of money. And I think that Spurs will demand a lot of money for both of them. And I don't think there's any takers um, out there at the moment. Um, Christian Romero, surely he is the, the guy that Spurs need to um, centre 
the defence around? Because everyone was excited when he signed. Um, what have you made of his time at Tottenham? It's been up and down, but I think consistently he is a good player. I think the problem he's had is he's had some injuries, but how can we be judging a player when he's playing with clowns? He's playing with absolute rubbish around him. I'm sorry, but Eric Dyer, Ben Davis, and Davinson Sanchez is not a litmus test as to how good you are as a footballer and Hugo Lloris behind you. When you've got, you know, someone flapping the ball left, right and centre in Larice, and you've got players that, you know, look like they have two left feet and maybe football's not for them playing next to you. That puts a lot of pressure on you as a footballer. Yes, he completely let us down in the Champions League. Yes, he made a big error. Yes, his discipline is poor and he needs to mature as a footballer 100%. But he's, he's a bit of a Rolls Royce. At the same time, he does things that no other player in that back line can do. The way he carries the ball, his passing ability, the way he can dribble forward, his turns under pressure, his reading of the game, his wanting to win. You know, absolutely spot on. We need to build the defence around him because he's a player that before we know it, Tottenham fans will get on his back and he'll be off to Barcelona or Real Madrid. You just watch. It will happen. It will happen. He will go to one of the biggest clubs in Europe and he will win the biggest honours. He's already won the World Cup. We've got to centre our defence around him 100%, but he's also still pretty young. He's still pretty young. In my book, no defender is at their best until they're about 27, 28 at a minimum. Yeah. So a lot more to come from him. Yes, he needs to mature and get better. Uh, I'm sure he would say that himself. Um, but... He is the one defender that we have currently, as it was central defender, that you can say, yes, there is a top player inside here. There is the potential to be a world beater here. You can't say that about the other defenders. So I think as a starting point, absolutely. Keep him at the club at all costs. No price you can sell him for. And let's build a defence around him when he's fit. We'll start. But of course, he has a knee problem as well that I alluded to earlier. He's had this ongoing knee issue throughout his career. Um, and this is something a bit strange that I'm going to mention now. But I want fans to take notice of this when they see him and when you see him in the stadium. It's a very funny walk, Romero. It's a bit of a weird limp that he does. And I asked a friend of mine who, uh, you know, is the same one that knows a lot of the South American boys. Why is that? And he's, his answer was probably because he's had this knee injury and he's had these problems that he started limping out of habit. So it's not a good habit to have, but that is, it shows that he's, he's had this knee injury. So maybe in bringing in, and this is why we've got to bring in Tapsoba, Longley, Van der Ven, we can then rotate Romero and manage him a little bit better because yes, of course, for Arsenal, Chelsea, all the biggest games, he's starting no matter what. But it will be good to have the option in certain games when he's maybe starting to get a little bit flared up or where, you know, give him that rest that he needs. Don't risk a serious injury because that would be catastrophic. And we cannot have a season like last season where we're playing players in the red zone. Richarlison, for example, playing 70 minutes, you know, when he shouldn't have been playing for another three, four weeks against Arsenal. You know, sorry, coming on at 70 minutes it was, wasn't it? Um, you know, 
that can't happen with Romero. He's too important for us. But yeah, absolutely, I, I agree with you. You know, we've got to build the defence around him for sure. Josh, I wanted to ask you about the body language because uh, Spurs put out a video today of a number of the players returning uh, to Hotspur Way for training. And of course, the other half returned on the 1st of July. And we just joked about Tong John Dombele walking in uh, from the car. Um, but what did you make of the body language today? It, it, it just looked like a few players looked a bit uncomfortable. Sure. Um, there, I mean, look, there, there are going to be players that generally don't like a camera shoved in their face uh, when they're returning back to training. I think, but, that, but, but, but they know that's going to happen. Of course, they know it's going to happen. But you know, I think maybe we read a little bit too much into it. Okay. <laughs> because if we're going to go on body language, I thought James Madison looked like a clown. He looked absolutely ridiculous when he came into training. You know, he, what, what on earth was he wearing? He looked, he looked absolutely, I was baffled when I saw that. But then I'm like, okay, maybe that's just him being a, bit, a little bit weird. That's his fashion. Okay, maybe he thinks he's cool, whatever it is, right? What matters is their attitude on the pitch, their body language on the pitch, not what they look like when they get out of a car. They have a camera shoved in their face. And, you know, I know players love, a lot. most players love playing football, but something I try and think about, maybe this is not right to do, maybe I'm being a little bit naive, but if I'd had a nice three weeks off in Mexico or the Bahamas or the Maldives or wherever it was, partying in Ibiza, and I had to go back to work, how would I be thinking? You know, and, and at the end of the day, I think it's so easy to forget that this is work for these footballers. Being a footballer is that most people's dreams. I'm sure you grew up wanting to be a footballer. I certainly did. Um, you know, and it's such a regimented, strict way of living as a footballer. Yeah. People yeah. don't think about these things that maybe it's okay to look a little bit uncomfortable at going back to work after a long holiday and knowing that you're going to be you know, probably wanting to vomit, if not vomiting from the amount of running you're going to be doing on day one. Um, so, yeah, I, I try not to read into it too much. But overall, I thought the body language was OK. I thought Harry Kane probably looked the most uncomfortable of all the players coming in, um, actually. Um, he looked like he'd put on a little bit of weight as well, dare I say it. Um, I think, I think um, look, this is natural. It's a holiday. He's going to get into shape very, very quickly. Um, but of course, it's a transfer window and there's speculation left, right and centre. And a lot of these players are going to be subject to talks. There's going to be agents. You know, they're going to, they would probably, there's going to be players that would have got off the phone to their agent or are getting on the phone to their agent the second they get in over so-and-so is interested in talking to you. It's hard to focus on just your football club and just the football when all of that noise is happening around you. I think any any human would struggle with that. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> what, do you, what did you think of it? Well, like you say, Josh, I think there's a, there's a number of players that have gone in that room. Uh, and I think that some of them are, are thinking, I don't want to be here. Um, my agent is talking to another club at the moment and I'm going to be out of here soon. Um, I just find it really interesting because, of course, so some players are so up for it, are so jolly, are so happy. And then, of course, as you said, some, some are coming in and, it, and it's quite obvious that they don't want a camera in their face. They don't want to be there for whatever reason. So it, it, it is interesting to see the mixture. Um, Joe Roden was one of those players um, coming in and, and, and he looked a bit uncomfortable, in my opinion. Um, 
What do you think the future holds for Joe Roden? Because it seems that he plays more games for his country, Wales, than he does for Tottenham. I almost forgot we even had Joe Roden. There you are. That video. Do you know what I mean? Of course, I, I know we still had him. Yeah. But it's like yeah. you'd, easily, you'd, you'd be forgiven for forgetting he was a Tottenham player. Yeah. Um, yeah, he looked very uncomfortable. I'm sure he has no... He doesn't want to be there at all. <laughs> he looked very clear he doesn't want to be there. And why would you want to be there if you were him? He's not. He doesn't have a future at the club. He's not going to start for us. We're looking at defenders. He knows that he's the first one that's name's going to be ticked off. As soon as the opportunity, you know, you're not buying Van der Ven and looking at Tapsoba and Longley to keep Roden as eighth choice defender or something. You know, he knows he's out the door. So it's just a case of being a professional, showing up, doing the fitness tests, keeping yourself in the best shape and, you know, for his sake, hopefully getting a good move. I mean, for me, his, his natural fit is going back to Swansea or going to Cardiff or going, you know, back to the championship. I don't think he's a Premier League footballer. I think he, you know, uh, there was that game Wales played up, was it Armenia? And they lost 4-1 between him and Ben Davis. It was it was like watching a pile-up at the Tour de France, you know. It was just shambles. Um, he, yeah, he, he's not good enough for the level. And I think he's probably honest enough with himself that he knows that He's, this is not for him and he wants to probably go and enjoy football again. I wouldn't be surprised if he's fallen out of love with football, but he is committed for Wales. He gives everything for his country. So, yeah, the sooner he's out the door, the better. That's for sure. You mentioned Ben Davis there. Um, he's had a lot of criticism from a lot of Spurs fans over the years. Um, I think some of it is is quite harsh. What have you made of his time at Tottenham? I have always seen captain qualities. I've always seen excellent commitment to the cause. How many players would take, you know, you know the you know the, the crown jewels, you know, take a ball flush to that to the face, whatever it is, right? His commitment is is you know undeniable, and his attitude on the pitch is undeniable. But then you hear little bits and pieces, and again, you have to take it with a pinch of salt, of course. But then I wonder if there's, you know, there's no smoke without fire, you know, and some of the things that have come out about De Ben Davis in terms of his treatment, perhaps of teammates, um, that type of stuff that I'm hearing. I don't know. Uh, to be honest, I don't really want to speculate on it further than that. But there are mm. things that have been going around. And, you know, obviously social media is a place where lots of lies and things are spun and lots of stuff comes out. So you take it with a pinch of salt, as I said. But it would be very worrying if there were issues with teammates, potentially. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Ben Davis, I think, is just one of those players that, frankly, he's, his race is run. He's been a good servant to the club. He's been there for a long time now. You're saying about Eric Dyer. Davis is on that list of players that, you know, it's time for a refresh. That's that's just my take on it. You know, and speculation is going to happen. Aggregators are going to aggregate. But, you know, I think ultimately, if they're not going to be have a positive influence on that team and on that dressing room, um, they've got to be gone. Uh, and that's that's not saying players that are bad attitudes or aren't committed footballers, but certain characters just don't fit in with certain managers and certain dressing rooms. And I think that, you know, maybe that was the case with Lo Celso. Um, in the past um, and you know maybe this is the case for 
the likes of Roden, Davis and other individuals that are set to leave the club, Hugo Lloris perhaps, who knows? Who knows? It's all speculation, but he's one of them that I fully expect to, to leave the club this summer. Josh, one player I fully expect to leave is Javat Tanganga. Uh, but I've said this in previous transfer windows because the amount, what, the, the, such limited game time that he had last season, can a Premier League footballer really be happy with that amount? You know, that those few minutes of Premier League game time, you know, surely you'd want the move, wouldn't you? I love Tanganga. I'm going to be so sad to see him go. I really thought he was the next Ledley King. I thought he was that next, you know. And I know you what you keep tabs very closely to the under 23s and used to be the under 21s, but he was another one that he was head and shoulders above the other players in the youth teams. He was unbelievably good, quick, good with both feet. His debut, I think, was that 1-0 defeat to Liverpool. Um, and he was, you know, that was his Premier League debut. And he was excellent. I think he was our man of the match, you know, and injury after injury and managers not knowing whether to play him as a right back, a centre back, a midfielder, wherever, you know, if there was a manager to probably get the best out of him, it's going to be Postacoglu. But for his own sake, his career's on the line. His career's on the line now. It's as simple as that. He's not, he, he's not you know, as young as he was anymore. I think, how, how old is he now? 24? Is he I think old? so, yeah. Um, you know, he, he's not 20 years old anymore. And... He's got, to, he's got to advance his career, whether that be a move abroad, whether that be a move... You know, Italian teams have been after him, it seems, for a very long time. You know, and whether he, he makes that move abroad... Uh, yeah, 24 years old. Um, maybe he could go and do what Chris Smalling has done in Italy and, and go and benefit there. Mm. Um, I just want to see him have a good career because he's done absolutely nothing to annoy us as a fan base done anything to show a lack of care or commitment he's just I think been really unlucky so one that I fully expect to leave like you say and one that I, I genuinely and sincerely wish all the very best because you know it's just so it's really sad that it's not worked out for him because as I say I, I thought he was going to be the next the next big thing Josh Pape Matasar would you expect him to go out on loan I, I would this season, um, potentially, but do not loan him if it's not to a Premier League club. Simple as that. Again, Brighton, Bournemouth, these types of clubs, uh, you but, know. Can, can I ask, Josh, are you surprised that previous loans, you know, particularly, let me go to, to Brian Hill, for example, wouldn't, wouldn't he have benefited far more by going to a Premier League team rather than a team abroad. Because, like I said earlier, you know, Brian Hill in particular, what's the point in another loan spell for him? Um, you know, we may as well cash in. If you're, if you're not going to develop him and uh, to be a great Premier League player for us um, and go and get some Premier League experience, because I feel that some of these players, they go off on loan, do they, does it really benefit them if it's not in the Premier League? Sure. It's a great question. I think, actually, it, it's very player-specific. And for me, 
I think Pape Matassar needs a Premier League loan. I think technically he's there. He needs Premier League minutes. For me, I actually would have rather seen Brian Hill in the Championship because I would have rather seen him come up against big brutes playing for the likes of Bristol City and Bill Wall, where he's going to get absolute lumps kicked out of him and his legs are going to be black and blue after every game. But that's going to toughen him up because technically, I think he would absolutely... He would he would tear a new one out of the championship. He's that technically gifted. But that is the fast track for him, I think, physically. So I would have liked to see six months of him at the championship. Even though he's good enough to play in a team that wins the Europa League, it might sound disrespectful to Hill. I just think that's his issue. His issue is not being a footballer. His issue is being a physical specimen. Um, but whereas Saar very much has that physicality, that size... Yeah, You know, one thing I loved about him, especially against AC Milan, was he demanded the ball. He was so, he reminded me, genuinely reminded me a little bit of a young Paul Pogba, the way he was constantly demanding the ball, wanting to do things, wanting to progress, wanting to make the tackle, you know. Um, So for me, he's got to get a Premier League loan. And, you know, maybe it's the case that send him to Luton. Why not? Put him in a team that's going to be in the absolute dogfight next year, a Luton or a Sheffield United, you know, and he will not only stand out there, but he will have to be physical. He will have to toughen up. Um, yeah, that, that's my thinking. You know, I think it is player specific. Roden to uh, France, though, I mean, makes no sense. Jed Spence to France, again, no sense. Yeah. Some of these loans that Spurs are doing, I mean, there was talk of, Talk of uh, uh, Papi Matassar going to Salernitana, you know, um, it would have made absolutely no sense to me. So I would like do to you, see a lot more sensible with that, for sure. Do you, do you think there's a reason why Spurs didn't loan these players to Premier League clubs? Because everyone we've mentioned there, there were Premier League clubs interested in taking these players on loan, particularly Jed Spence. Yes, Um no, I, I I can't answer the question. I'm I'm baffled. I'm genuinely I'm I'm stumped by it mm. because and, and normally I'd like to think I have an answer for for pretty much anything, but yeah. I can't answer that. I mean, it, it it makes no sense. You know, I I still I sometimes think about it. and I'm like, why why did we not send Jed Spence to Leicester, to Fulham, to Brentford, to Palace? All of those clubs were interested. Again, Brian Hill, I'm sure the likes of, you know, Bournemouth or Leicester or some of the teams, Leeds would have loved to take a player like that for six months. I don't get it. I really yeah. don't get it. Um, and only the club can answer that. And I all I hope is that the club are far better with the loan system because how often is it that Spurs loan out a player and it works out? Even Ollie Skip loaned him out to Norwich. Yes, he was an important part of the team under Conte and then he got injured and, you know, it's been hit and miss since then. You know, we loaned out Troy Parrott how many times? He's He doesn't look any closer to making Tottenham, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think I would like to see us far better. If we're going to if we're going to loan players, right, and we're going to loan them abroad, at least loan them to the Bundesliga. You know, where it's proven that, um, you know, players can develop and 
one player who I would give as a great example of who I think is primed and ready for a Bundesliga loan is Alfie Devine. I think Alfie Devine, if he could go and start at a Bundesliga club, maybe even Wolfsburg, we're doing the deal for, for, for Van der Ven, maybe a Wolfsburg, maybe a Leverkusen. If he could go to a club like that, you know, uh, one of the you know top half Bundesliga clubs and got the minutes, we'd be talking about a 30, 40 million pound player, you know? That it genuinely would. So I'd like to see if we're not going to loan them to the Premier League or Championship, that's the only option for me. Josh, um, you mentioned Troy Parrott there. Parrott and uh, Dane Scarlett. Do you think young players like this will get opportunities under Postacoglu? Because the club, you know, with this appointment of Postacoglu, really want him to take on board the youth system. Um, because, you know, I feel that it was heavily damaged, really, under Jose Mourinho, Nuno for that short period, and uh, Antonio Conte, because I go to a lot of the youth games um, throughout the season, and I speak to a lot of uh, parents, and sometimes even get the opportunity to talk to, you know, some of the players. And some of the players have ended up leaving the club because they haven't felt that they're going to get the opportunity or they don't see that pathway to the first team. Um, which has been really, really frustrating for them. And, of course, as a football club, we like to see players coming through the youth system. Do you think that Postacoglu is really going to uh, embrace the youth system and, and, and bring players through now? One of the first things he said in his first interview was he wants to embrace youth. He wants to help develop our young players. In the case of Troy Parrott and Dane Scarlett, I think it's, again, it's down to the player. Troy Parrott, you know, I think it's well documented. He had big attitude problems and has since, you know, really tried to shape up. And I think his recent spell at Preston and, and MK Dons, um, you know, th those spells have, have really kind of matured him as a player. He's one of those players that I feel like I'm surprised he's not 26 at this point, but yeah. um, he's still very young. I, I think maybe Troy Parrott, I could see, perhaps getting an opportunity, at least in pre-season. Dane Scarlett's still so young. Um, you know, I've got friends who are Portsmouth fans who had nothing but negative things to say about Dane Scarlett and the loan spell he had about his attitude. Um, what I was told by my mate who sports Portsmouth was that um, he was asked by then um, Danny Cowley to play on the wing. Um and he refused. He said, no, why should I do that? I'm a striker. That's the wrong attitude to have of a player that's trying to make a name for yourself. You cannot afford to be arrogant, especially when you're at a club of the stature of Portsmouth, who I know they're League One, but they are a massive football club. Some may even say the biggest club on the South Coast. Um, I think uh, Brighton now have uh, something to say about that. But, yeah. um, you know, you're at a massive football club with big expectations despite their league position. You you don't have that attitude there or anywhere else. That's not what I want to see. And he's got to grow up. If he wants to be a footballer, be serious. I mean, he scored, what was it, two goals, three goals maximum on that loan spell? I was expecting far better numbers from a player like Dane Scarlett. So all, all I would say, though, Josh, is you should never, ever judge strikers on loan um, of how many goals they score whilst on loan. It's all about their experience and and, and their development. And I, I think so many people judge young strikers on scoring goals whilst on loan. All you've got to do is look at Harry Kane. Uh, and, a, and another one being Tuba Akpom as well. 
Chibrakpom at Arsenal, you know, he, he was pretty dreadful on some of his loans. Look what he's doing at Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough he had an absolutely outstanding season. You know, um, I completely agree, but it's an attitude thing. That's the most yeah. important thing. That's what I'm referring yeah. to because I've spoken about yeah. clearly the goals. I expected more from Dane Scarlett, probably expected more from Troy Parrott. Naturally, strikers, especially Parrott who's an international striker, you expect yeah. a bit more. But, and this links to the pathway to the first team. It is an attitude thing. You also need, it's two things. I think it's a two-pronged situation. You need a manager who is very open-minded to integrating youth and is very keen and part of their philosophy is to develop young players. And certainly has that, like Pops did. The second thing is the attitude. The attitude of the player. The people that they surround themselves with, their friends, their family. How they train, how they eat. How they develop. All of these things, right? And, you know, for me, at least, I'm not so sure about Dane Scarlett. I'm Jury's out on that one. I think Jury's out a little bit on... Troy Parrott as well. There's one individual who I, I'll be shocked if you haven't spoken to his dad. Um, he's very vocal on Twitter. He is... Jamie Donnelly. Absolutely. Um, you know, he's the one that I am really hopeful for. And if, if I was going to see, you know, I want to see him on the plane. I want to see Dorrington on the plane. I want to see Gunter, the young goalkeeper. And uh, I want to see um, Kira Martin as well on the, the plane. I want to see those four in particular standouts yeah. in the um, in the cup winning team you know they're the ones that I'd like to see given a chance to mix it in with the big boys train with the likes of Harry Kane train with the likes of Sonny you know um, because for me you know I'm, I'm not too clued up on how often they've trained with the first team if at all um, I'd be I'd be surprised if Donnelly hasn't trained with them a few times I would have thought oh he certainly has yeah, yeah. You know, the, these are the types of players that I'd like to see really mixing in with the big boys this summer because they're the ones that I've got hopes on. Look at yeah. how successful. I mean, the football was great. Uh, I don't know if you're at the game, the Aston Villa um, game, at the cup final. Um, but, you know, there's... I go anywhere to see a trophy. There's a core of players, right? That's a core of yeah. exciting players. And, of course, I'm gutted that we, we saw Mundell go. Um, this summer yeah. again that, that is exactly the point you made Mundell left because of the lack of opportunity uh, in the way that Rio Griffith did and um, you know we've, we've had other players down the years do the same um, even uh, Noni Madueke being another one um, it was another sort of similar situation there I just think if the attitude's not right and I think he's going to be very quick to work out who's got it and who doesn't I don't think it takes long to work out whose head is in the right space. And for me, by the way that Jamie Donnelly's dad talks on Twitter, even the messages he sends to his own son on Twitter after games, uh, it, it looks like there's a kid that's had a great upbringing, that's been raised the right way, that's been given the opportunity, that works really hard, that loves our football club. Clearly, he's a massive Spurs fan runs in the family. Yeah. You know, and for me, that's the type of player I want to see given a first team opportunity. See, you know, some of the names that play for Man United today, there were names that I'd never heard of. So 
you know, give them some minutes in these friendlies, let them see what they can do. And if they impress, let's, you know, let's give them a chance because, you know, these are players at your doorstep. They don't cost you a penny. And these are players that all support. I think by, by my understanding, all of them are Tottenham fans. The four that I mentioned, all of them are Tottenham fans. Um, Dorrington has the look of a future captain. You know, he was unbelievable. I thought the maturity he showed, you know, um, and, and for me, if it's a case of having a sixth choice, seventh choice, Joe Roden or a Dorrington or, you know, Dane Scarlett, who may not have the right attitude. Ken, I say the jury's out on that one. Give Donnelly a shot. Why not? What, what's there to lose? I mean, Alfie Devine scored against Marine. I would at least like to see the, them play against uh, <laughs> the Lion City Sailors. Come on, at least then. Um, you know, Angie's going to embrace that. Of course he is. I think he was very clear about that. And I think, you know, you know I hope, how, how do you feel about it? Because certainly I want nothing more than to see some of these players given an opportunity to prove themselves. And, you know, of course, it's very early for them, you know, and you can't expect everything soon. But I want, I want to see the, the idea that, that the pathway is there and, and, and have, have the chance to see them play, you know, alongside some of these big, big players because it's going to be so great for their experience. Yeah, and, and fair play to Ryan Mason um, at the end of the season against Leeds because uh, Craig and Abbott, of course, come on. And, uh, you know, even they said at the time that it's nice that the other players in the development uh, system can see that there is that pathway. And I think it is very, very important to the football club to uh, to really develop that. And it was a very successful year for the uh, for the under-17s and under-18s, uh, of course, picking up two trophies. Josh, the last player that we've got to cover, um, Eve Basuma. Um, another player I was extremely excited about when we signed him because... Uh, you know, previously uh, to him signing for Tottenham, um, he'd been one of the best midfielders in the Premier League. Um, he's had a difficult time at Tottenham. Um, surely Ange Postacoglu will be putting his, his arm around him, uh, expecting big things from him next season. Absolutely. And, and he's got to step up and deliver. He's been very unlucky with injury. Of course, he had that nasty injury suffered in training. Um, but for me, I think his... his Attitude when he was first filmed coming into preseason said it all. He has been nothing but vibes since coming back for preseason, and I'm all here for it. I absolutely love it. Him and Emerson Royale, both of them have absolutely lit up, and Poro now as well. They've lit up my uh, timeline on on various social media platforms. I've absolutely loved seeing it. You know, he's a player that is still young, still developing. Um, you know, I know he's like what is he 26 now? You know, but he's still he's still able to grow as a player. I don't think you're done at 26. He's going to be the starting six, I think, for us this season. In that midfield, he's going to be the the anchor man, um, the the one that turns defence into attack. He's a silky passer. We know what he can do. We've all seen it at Brighton. Um, this is going to be a breath of fresh air. And and if you're Eve Basuma, wouldn't you be that excited to see the back of Conte, who never really gave you a chance, who? Uh, you know, said he wasn't ready, even though this is a player that was Premier League proven. Um, again, it was another baffling Conte decision. Only Conte will know what happened and stuff behind the scenes. But from everything I've heard, his attitude has been great. He's been a good trainer. Um, 
so yeah, I think he was rightly delighted that he's starting work under a new manager. And I think I think Postacoglu is going to absolutely love him. And I think all of us as a fan base are going to really love him as well. I, I think just give him some time and this season we're going to see the best of Basuma. And you can you can hold me to that, I guarantee. Barring injury, we're going to see a, a transformed Eve Basuma this season. Josh, very last question for you. Um, we've been talking for nearly two and a half hours. I tell you, I could talk to you all night about Tottenham. Um, <laughs> We have got five pre-season friendlies coming up. West Ham um, next Tuesday in Perth, Australia, uh, followed by Leicester uh, in Thailand. And uh, a change was confirmed this morning. We were meant to be playing Roma in Singapore. It is now uh, the Singapore side Lion City Sailors in the Tiger Cup. Uh, and then on the 6th of August, we play Shakhtar Donetsk at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And a new addition uh, confirmed today, Barcelona on the 8th of August. How are you feeling ahead of uh, these five pre-season friendlies? And are you surprised that we are playing Barcelona away just two days after playing Shakhtar Donetsk at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? That is just five days before the Brentford away game. I must say, I am a little bit surprised that that fixture has been put in um, in between the Shakhtar Donetsk game and the Brentford away game in the Premier League. I saw someone joke about it saying loser gets uh, Clement Longley when we play Barcelona, <laughs> which made me laugh. Um, if, if I remember the handle of the person that said it, I would have, I would have quoted it. But um, we're going to see 45 and 45 for those, 100%. We're going to see one team play the first half against Shakhtar and another play the second half, same with Barcelona. Then everyone gets 90 minutes, five days before the season. I think that's makes the most logical sense um, because put it this way, look, when we're at home to Shakhtar, we're going to want to play um, all the best players, all the new signings. I'm going, um, I'm sure you're going as well. You know, all the fans are going to want to see the new talent. Everyone's want to give uh, Ange a warm welcome. I, I'm going to order a blow up kangaroo and get that at the ready. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I might get one of those cork hats as well. Might bring a didgeridoo. Who knows? Um, look, Tottenham could come out of pre-season with two trophies. The Tiger Cup and the, uh, what is it, the Juan, uh, what, I can't remember now. It is. I wasn't even going to go there. <laughs> the, the Juan something cup. Um, so Tottenham could have two trophies, right? Yes, I'm saying it in jest, but at the same time, Ange Postacoglu is not going to see it like that. Ange Postacoglu is going to say, we win both of those trophies. Feel that in your hands. You know, now we start the real work. By the end of the season, I want to see two more trophies in your hands. You know, and I think it's it's a it's a little psychological thing, right? Everyone laughs at the Audi Cup and everyone's going to laugh when we win the Tiger Cup. You know, everyone's going to absolutely, you know, crack up at that. But these players need to know what it's like to win a trophy, no matter how insignificant the trophy is, whether it was the Community Shield which many people see as a glorified friendly, whatever it is, we've got to go and win those two cups. And we've got to go and look to try and win all the games. Um, I weirdly think that West Ham's going to be the toughest preseason game that we play. I think they're going to be tougher than Barcelona on the basis that West Ham started their preseason. You know, they've had a game as well. And... That's going to be the first 
real game under this Ange system. Lots of change. Lots of players not fit. Players trying to adapt to a new system. Barcelona should really, in theory, be the best performance of the lot because this should be a team ready to go for the season. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. I think we've got good pre-season games, of course. Roma would have been a better friendly than the, uh, the Lion City Sailors because it's a higher calibre opposition. You know, yeah. big players, it would have been a good opportunity to, to meet against the special one once again. Um, but also it's going to be a special experience for the the Lion City Sailors. And I think that as much as from a selfish point of view, it's great to play the biggest teams, you know, we're going to Singapore for one reason and one reason only. It's it's for sponsorship, it's commercial, it's all of that side of things. And what a great, you know, advert for for football in that country for us to play against a local side, um, you know, of a much lower calibre of players, but for them to, those players to get to play against superstars like Sonny and, you know, obviously Sonny being the big one for them, naturally. I mean, he's, you know, he's like David Beckham in Asia. Um, and, you know, Harry Kane and the like, you know, it's going to be great for the development of the sport. It's going to engage and infuse so many more fans to get into the sport. Um, so I think there's also that duty of, of responsibility that big clubs in the biggest league in the world have on a global stage. It's sort of almost like a, an international development um, kind of duty. But also it's going to be a fitness exercise. It's going to be an opportunity for Ange to get pretty wacky with his um, tactics and his systems and trying different players in different positions. If you're going to do it against any of those teams, do it against them. Why not? You know, give it a chance. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited. I'm so jealous of you for going to Australia. I wish I was able to take the time off work to go to Australia. You do this as a job. So that's it's like a, you know, it's a, it's a win win for you. You get to watch your team and you get to to make great content at the same time. Um, you know, I hope you have the best time out there. But, you know, there's going to be so much to talk about and. You know, I think it's a good balance of teams. And I just think, you know, I'm not expecting too much. Uh, but by Shakhtar and by Barcelona, I hope we're, uh, I hope that, you know, I hope we're, we're going to see the fruits of, of this and we're going to start to to see that, that, that sort of flower blossom a little bit. I'm not expecting, of course, us to be as polished as we are at Brentford. But uh, yeah, yeah, it should be good pre-season and especially under a new manager, new players, lots to be excited about, of course. Josh, last question for you. Predict next season. Where will Spurs finish? And will Postacoglu put a trophy in the cabinet for Tottenham? Been blasted for saying this on social media, but I'm going to stick with it. We're getting fourth next season, is my prediction. Genuinely. I see no reason why we can't. No European football. No excuse, is my, my view. Uh, we're bringing in some very talented players. Postacoglu's going to change the attitude of this team. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be upset with finishing sixth either, but I have a sneaky suspicion we can get fourth. I back us to get fourth. Why not? Are we going to get a trophy? No, I hope I'm wrong. Um, I feel like if I say yes, uh, you know, no Tottenham fan can confidently say that. Um, and I don't want to jinx it as well because it's been far too long. So I'm going to say no and get proven wrong, unless we're talking about the Tiger Cup, 
um, because that one's kind of fun. <laughs> Josh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here. And as I said, um, two and a half hours talking to you, I feel like we could cover so much more uh, talking about Tottenham Hotspur, but you, but you will be back on the channel very, very soon. Um, you're on after the, uh, the Lion City Sailors game, yeah? It was going to be Roma, now Lion City Sailors. I can't wait to, to analyse players I've never heard of. But no, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And thanks once again for having me on. It's been a, a laugh. The time has absolutely flown by. I didn't. I just looked at the clock. I was still thinking it was about an hour and a half and I looked up sort of two. Um, but yeah, no, um, thanks for having me on once again. And hopefully we've covered everything. But I'm sure, you know, even tomorrow, there's going to be a whole heap of new stuff that'd be worth talking about. So such is the transfer window and pre-season. So, um, but I'm going to be talking to you from, from Singapore. You're going to be yes. in Singapore. So um, that's going to be stupid o'clock in the morning for you, isn't it? It is, it is, but we do uh, we do some silly things on this channel sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, I think people would be very surprised on where I called from sometimes and, and some of the places where I record. So, yeah, be interesting. But, um, Josh, please tell everyone where they can find you on social media and uh, where they can find your wonderful work. At Josh Hughes TV. Um, that's me on Twitter, Instagram, threads. Um, I'm just in the sort of realm of trying a few little bits and pieces. So I, I also do a lot of the social media posting and admin for male sports. So posting stuff that our journalists and online writers put together as well as uh, contributing to a lot of the video content. And we're doing a big multi-platform push, which is very exciting at the minute. So uh, if you follow their socials, you might well see videos that I voiced over. I'm also going to start, I'll use this a little opportunity to plug, I hope you don't mind. I just, did trialed it yesterday for Solomon doing a 60 second little review uh, just for Brilliant. a bit um, just you know really bite-sized snappy on players I might start doing them for games as well um, to add to obviously coming on uh, shows like this and talking in far more depth um, but yeah so check me out on social media if you want um, I'll usually follow back so um, yeah you can find me there and, and of course Mail Sport. Josh, thank you so much. Look forward to having you on um, after that game in Singapore. Uh, hopefully we would have seen some entertaining football because that would have been our third friendly by then. Um, thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for um, listening. And uh, we will see you on the next one. Until then, come on, you Spurs. Up Spurs. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.